Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. And today I'm here virtually with Mr. Johnny Smith. Hello. Hello there. How are you doing? <laughs> not bad. Not bad. How can you sort of give the audience a little bit of an explanation of who you are, what you do? I'm a badly dressed man in a very <laughs> untidy spare room. That's what I am. I am, I'm a, well, I'm a motoring journalist. My background's traditional print motoring media and then a TV presenter. And I guess I don't want to call myself a YouTuber, but I do videos on YouTube as well. That probably makes yes. you a YouTuber. Uh, mm, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe there are, there are, con- there are connotations to that. That's true. Sam, That's true. What, what are the connotations of a YouTuber? Well, I think the I think that the, there's a perception. You see, because I'm from a, a, a more trad background of yeah, yeah. working up through the ranks of a magazine or various magazines, challenged with trying to make you know memorable copy and sell more mags, and then going into TV by accident in 2006. I suppose I've worked. I've I, you know I've done a lot of jobs where mm-hmm. I didn't get paid a lot and had to work really fucking hard. Yeah. Now, I, I don't want any violins or anything like that, <laughs> the, but the connotations are of a YouTuber, a, a lot of the time, and I'm definitely not making a sweeping statement, is that um, you sort of, you're, you don't need to do it. You don't need okay. to do it yeah. to earn a living, and it's a hobby, and you start probably with enough capital to be able to buy quite a large nice amount of vehicles. Yeah. yeah, you see. And of course, you talk about the cars that you've got because you happen to be able to get nice cars. Yeah. So it's sort of a, a fairly easy... Oh, fair enough. Uh, I've not heard that angle on it. I think most people don't like the phrase. I don't think I've ever spoken to anyone that's like, yeah, I'm a YouTuber. 
like okay some are but but not i don't think people influencer that's another phrase that people hate um, yeah yeah well i mean I, I i look i'm not scared of being called in a youtuber i've done some of my proudest work in fact in yeah. the last five five years it's been on youtube rather than telly yeah i think yeah there is there is there is an attitude that the sort of influencer YouTuber thing, you're a bit shouty and you haven't maybe thought about what you're going to say before your <laughs> mouth opens. And, 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 and obviously, and I, I know you, you were interviewing Tim Burton yesterday yeah. and I know Tim, I've met him numerous times. In fact, he was on, when he was, I don't know, like about 13 years old, he was on fifth gear. I, I, yes. You're saying he did, did a video. A feature. With you guys. And he's always to his credit. He's always been a really, really nice guy. And even though a lot of his videos aren't for my demographic, I don't think. Yeah, his work ethic is unbelievable. Yeah, he's a machine, and uh, he 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 works really hard. And he knows his audience. And at the end of the day, if you know your audience, you're, you're a good business person, right? Because yeah. you know what the people you're. Uh, maybe I should like take some advice from him. <laughs> I'm gonna, I might do that. I mean, he's doing well, isn't he? I just I just want to, and I'm going to threaten him with this. I just want to, him to drive something shit. <laughs> I, 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 want, I want to say to him, uh, Tim, I've got a car, let's do a co- collab. And he goes, yeah, all right, I'm going to keep it a mystery. And I just turn up with some, like, uh, Micra with 10 days <laughs> MOT left on it. That's had a very, you know, that's X I think, sort of... I think he'll be up for that. That's X curry delivery, and it's had a very hard life. Well, it's only... Just go... We had a... Um, Tim and I used to own a 1987 Subaru Leon, which is like an estate car and we owned yeah. it in New Zealand and we bought for like 600 quid I think and it was one of the best cars I've ever had <laughs> yeah, it was just like 200,000 miles or kilometers I can't remember what it is yep. in New Zealand yeah case thanks case yeah. character in the sense of there was one of the doors that would only open like two days a week like literally <laughs> just randomly would like open on a Tuesday yeah. but not on a Wednesday yeah. <laughs> um, but it was amazing because it was a bit of a shit box. You could just chuck your stuff in it, whatever. Don't care about it. But it was also yeah. sick off road. Yeah. Oh yeah, they are. They were, they're so rugged. Those old Scoobies. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. Some cars are absolutely bursting with character or some cars are rubbish on the, on the face of it, but you have amazing memories of where mm. it took you. Exactly. What you did in it. And, and they're not, they're not all supercars and hot saloons and, fire breathing v10s you know i think that's, that's something i've i've learned like not necessarily learned but like it's sort of been documented by doing this podcast like i've had all these people on and loads of them have access to crazy cars yeah um, whether it's loans or whatever and if you ask everyone what their favorite sort of road trip or memory it's all about a journey with some people doing yeah. a thing and it's not really about the car the car's like part no. of it, but it's just the people and that time you were doing whatever and all that the, sort of stuff. The car, the the car is the box that just that yeah. you arrive in. You it, is the, it is the vehicle. <laughs> it, yes, it is, and and so so many. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah, so many people buy cars and just use them as a a, a means of transport. You know, mm. we're talking daily dr- driver cars, yeah. not necessarily weekend things. And um, and I think people forget that you you forget that day to day the car that you probably spend most of your life in is quite ordinary. Yeah, it's not that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that's and what you make of it, right? And different people have different attitudes towards cars, and yeah, one is not necessarily better than the other. Even though no. we each feel that our opinion is the most valid, but 
Yeah, like you say, I'm in, you know, because of the, my job, I'm in a fortunate position and same with you where for my job, I get to drive a lot of stuff I could never afford to buy. But what's amazing is the fact that sometimes you, you're really glad you haven't bought it. You, know, <laughs> yeah. you, you get in a, you get in quarter of a million quids worth of vehicle and you, you come away going, bloody hell, I would so not want to own that. Yeah. Or for what, for whatever reason, yeah, yeah. Be mul- there might be multiple reasons. And, and I drive home in whatever I've, I'm trying to remember, I've, there was an example of it once where I, I filmed something for Fifth Gear. It was a really expensive car. It was a David Brown Speedback. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Quite just driving around driving around vehicle. London in this thing. We got we got arrested driving down Pall Mall or Mayfair, the, the, the Strand. Yeah. We got boxed in. We were filming. We got boxed in by a load of um, <laughs> police motorbikes and basically just pushed to the side. And I didn't know what was going on. The cameras were rolling. And they said, uh, is this yours? And I said, no, it's not, no. <laughs> I'm just, just borrowing it. And they went, this is not, this car is not what it seems. And I went, well, you're absolutely right. It probably isn't, no. They said, because this car, according to our computer registration documents, is, uh, is a Jaguar. Yeah. And it's not a Jaguar. I went, well, no, it's a David Brown Speedback, but you probably won't know what that is. And most people won't. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, they thought that the car was, was dodgy. You know, they thought it was like a ringer. the plates or whatever. Yeah, and I think they were thought that I was going to go and do a Ram raid in Seven Eleven or something. I don't, I don't know what. <laughs> in, this, you know, in this Bond-esque vehicle. It's going, to, it's going to go do a James Bond kind of like Ram raid of budgins <laughs> to take 200 fags or something. I, I really don't know, but they, they were okay after about 15 minutes of of discussion (laughs) but yeah i came away from that shoot going i get it it's it's interesting but i drove home in my two grand honda insight Mm. and went i just love this car it's great yeah it interests me it does a job really well it engages me exactly and there's a certain value and each person has that a different point like pain threshold but once you're driving a car over a certain value you can't just treat it like a car anymore. It becomes like no. this sort of precious thing that you have to look after and not scratch, which yeah. takes away so much from the driving ex- the experience of using a car. Because yeah, 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 you kind we, of want to be we, able to ding it a bit. We have a Persian cat and we have a, a normal cat. When I say normal, I mean you know like a, a Mongol tabby. Yeah, thing. yeah. And we let our Persian cat behave like any other cat. It goes out. It it goes in the field and yeah. whatever, and. And the way I describe it to people is it doesn't know. The Persian cat doesn't know it's special. It doesn't know it's a pedigree. Yeah. It doesn't know that it costs more than the other cat. And all it wants to do is live life as a cat. And, and so it's the same as a car. You can have a very expensive car, but it's still just a, a collection of nuts, bolts, oil, bearings, panels. Yeah. They need to be used. They need to be looked after, but they do still need to be used. As soon as you start squirreling them away... I think the fun and the emotion is lost. And then the car becomes it, 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 like it owes you something because, hang on, you know, I've spent 90 grand on that car and it and so it owes me. And because I've not been on any emotional journeys in it recently because yeah. I squirrel it away in a car coon, I'm getting a bit um, resentful of it because I'm like, oh, I bet the bloody thing won't start, yeah. but the brakes need servicing because I haven't used it. So it's basically my own fault. So I do like it when, and actually to YouTubers credit, I have, I have my own fingers up for the inverted yeah. commas. They, whatever cars they own, you know, Exotica, they do use them. 
which is really good to see because you know if if you're going to buy a if you're going to buy a you know a hot Porsche or a you know a low numbers McLaren yeah just use it absolutely exactly. use it or if you, you know, um, if you can't if you can't afford to run it just don't yeah. buy it and, okay you know and some cars like, it happens but like Sam that's the wisest thing anyone <laughs> said to me in 2020. <laughs> If you can't afford it to afford to run it, don't buy it. Because I, I know people that go out and buy, you know, like a high-end X5 as a family oh. car, like an X5M. Yes. Why? I, mean, I have to sort I have I to bite it, my tongue a little. Yeah, it's not really my scene. But anyway, we live in a free world. But what they'll do then is they'll moan when it comes to its first service and go, I can't believe how much it costs to service because they hadn't researched it at all. Can't believe how much it costs to tax every year because they hadn't done any research. Oh, oh my God, it needed a pair of back tyres and they were like a grand. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, have you ever followed an X5? It's got, I don't know, 685, 25, 21s. It, they are really expensive tyres and a, any car will rip through tyres. It's a fact. And they just haven't done any of that. They've just bought it and gone, oh, that's that's 400 quid a month. Bollocks, exactly. And this is... I. I think finance allows a lot of people to get into a lot of cars that they wouldn't otherwise, which it can be an amazing yeah. thing. And I've used yeah. finance and loads of people I know have used finance, but I, if you're buying a, whatever, like a 50,000 pound car, 100,000 pound yeah. car, 500,000 pound car, whatever, you need to be aware of how much it's going to cost to run. Whereas lots of people just look at it and go, I can afford the 400 pounds a month or whatever. <laughs> and you're, like, yeah. you're not factoring in the depreciation. Like you're buying a brand yeah. new BMW M4, for example, yep. it, yep. it's going to lose 15, 20 grand in the first year. And your 400 pounds a month, actually over three years, yeah. is 12 grand. Or it's more than that. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah, it like, is. And it's going to, and you're going to, you're going to nail the tires because you're going to, you're going to do a donut and put it on Instagram. Exactly. That'll cost you about 400 quid. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, but I think, like you say, if, you, if you've got your head screwed on, finance is no bad thing. Yeah, but it but it allows people to sort of get the reward before they've reaped exactly. the reward before they've done that done the work. And I suppose maybe maybe I'm a bit old school, but I know definitely my I was brought up to like if you want the thing, save up for the thing, mm. and then when you get the thing, you will absolutely love it. It will be worth the journey. Now, don't get me wrong, I borrow money. This house has got a mortgage on it, which yeah. is a loan, but I've, I I do try and buy things outright. If I can, I've no, I've only ever bought one brand new car. That was my wife, Suzuki Jimny. Mm. That was a big deal. I went, I went and actually bought it outright with money. And it was like, <laughs> Oh, you know, this is quite, this is quite a big deal. This quite expensive. And it's not an expensive car per se, but yeah. it's, it's a lot of money in one hit. In one hit for sure. Yeah. And I, I found, I've only bought one. I've, okay. I bought two new cars in my life and each time I've, like I have a spreadsheet of all the cars I've owned and how oh, much they cost and when you sell them oh. and you look at it. And oh, have you? Oh, yeah. that's that's painful. But that. I haven't I, I haven't owned that many cars. But yes, but it's a real like you look at it and go, shit. Like the cars that you don't <laughs> think were expensive were really expensive. And yep. generally for me, the more expensive cars I've bought are some of the cheapest if you factor in the long stuff. Like I had an RS3. Yep. For a, yep. two years, very expensive. 
Like yeah, the, the the what as in the consumables? No, just in terms of like depreciation. depreciation. Whereas like I've got an old Porsche and it's worth exactly what I paid for it now. The running yeah. costs are not cheap, but like I've not lost zero on the value. It's very buoyant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, I love cars which kind of cancel themselves out. That's the better. That's they're, they're the great ones. We've lived through like a couple of years of people being able to buy certain cars and get money back from them after a couple of years. And I think everyone suddenly went, everyone went a bit mad. And then we've sort of got come back to the point where people are like, no, it's a car. Like it gets old, it breaks and all of these things. So it's going to be worth less than you paid for it. So you better think about that. I'm kind of, I feel like, I I feel like I'm glad that we're maybe coming to the end of this whole idea of buying. It was the nine 11 thing that got out of control, wasn't it? You know, any any old nine eleven just being half a million quid. <laughs> yeah, and you're just going any. Do you, you know, I remember when this happened with VW air cool buses with split yeah. screen vans because that was my first journalist job working on a classic VW mag, and I remember seeing the prices of buses going up and up and up and up, and I was like, I like them, and I had one. But as soon as they reached a certain value, it's like, do you know what? You can fucking have it for that money. Yeah, yeah, because it ain't that good. I know how badly it drives <laughs> and and uh, I need a house deposit. But it's it's just odd because you think, where's the ceiling on this? You know, I, I've i never owned an old 911. I'd love mm. to own an air-cooled 911. I fear that the, the ship has not only, I've not only missed it, it's not even on the horizon anymore. The ship I, is- I think it's, I think they're going to come back down. They're not like not, a C2S, whatever, 993, yeah. 997, whatever, yeah. older cars. Like they made a lot of them. Yeah. Everyone needs to yeah. remember that, and like all this time, yeah, they're not, they're not, they're not rare. They're n- not many nine elevens are rare, no, are they? Because they made a lot of them. Um, that was the whole point. They make, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're great. But it is, I tell you, what's really good is 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 seeing people who are not buying them purely as an investment. Yes, it's very dangerous. <clears throat> excuse me, it's very dangerous when people buy cars as an investment because then, like like I said before, you feel like the car owes you. Yeah. It's like. I, I I bought you and I want to see something back from you. And if you're not interested in the car, if you've just been advised to buy it on a, you know, because it was a financial win, yeah. a, bit, a bit like people buy art. If you buy a piece of art, let's say, because your advisors have told you this artist yeah. is, is, is happening right now, but you don't really give a shit about the particular picture yeah. that you've bought. You'll resent that picture because you'll look at that picture and go, that picture owes me a hundred grand. I want that picture to sell for 150 in the next yeah. nine months because you've lost at because, that point because yeah. And you're like, no, buy something for goodness sake that you're half interested in. If you buy a nine eleven, or you have bought a nine eleven, and you don't really like nine elevens, you're an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, you're don't an idiot. buy anything just because someone is trying to sell it to you. No, there are people in this world and I'm not going to name any names that I that are in the public eye and they're not like professional car uh, presenters or, you know, uh, drivers, but they're into cars. Mm. Of course you are. Everyone is. But, and they, I get the impression they buy cars that they're told to or that they know will win them sort of friends. And I think that's quite sad. That's why people buy Aventadors, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. People buy Aventadors because they're, Elaborate barbecues, from what I can see on YouTube. <laughs> yes. They are they're, they're, 
I mean, what's going on? Why, why do they seem to catch fire so much? Is it just because people just keep leaving them on the limiter and just constantly I smashing the limiter? I think they overcook the, the cat and then there's like some stuff around that area that gets too hot and kaboom. And, and, then, and then it's just a barbecue. Yeah. Happens to I a mean, lot it's of amazing. cars, funny enough. It does, ha- it does happen to a lot of cars, doesn't it? Yeah, I was talking to my wife the other day. She's not massively into cars, but she knows what she likes. And I said, oh, if you got the chance to, if I said today we've got to go and buy a Ferrari or a, a Lamborghini, what would you buy? Mm. And she just went, oh, well, I don't really want either, either of them. I went, well, I know, but this is not yeah, a, this a real is the world game. conversation. <laughs> so uh, she went, oh, will it have to be a Ferrari? I went, why? She goes, aren't Lamborghinis just for dicks? And I went, <laughs> oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. And I, I, th- I felt a bit bad because I've, I've always had a bit of a thing for Lambos. I um. I don't, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd own one. Yeah, because ownership is different, isn't it? It is. As a one. poster car, if I mm-hmm. had like, if you asked tons of people, like most people in the last, I don't know, ten years or something, to draw a supercar, like young people, they draw an Aventador. It yeah. looks like a supercar. It sounds like a supercar. Yeah. My problem with it's it all, is it drives like poo. But yeah. <laughs> but in terms of like embodying what a supercar is, it's like impractical, yeah. doesn't work that well, but it just looks mad. Yeah. There aren't yeah. many other cars that just look so good like that. Yeah. You'd buy it. You'd buy it just because it looks, I mean, it's just all honeycomb and yeah, and hexagons, isn't it? It's just, I, I, I remember I was a bit of a new boy on car magazine when, I worked on Car Magazine twice, actually, but the first time I worked on Car Magazine, we did a performance test at a track and everyone had to take a car. And I remember turning up and one of my workmates had, at the time, the new Mercialago. Mm. And it was purple, of course, because you can't buy a Lamborghini in like a non... (laughs) Yeah, driving it diagonally, you had to have a hip (laughs) replacement. And um, But on on the way to the track, the gear stick snapped off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this is, and I tell this to people, and they're like, "You're you're you're bullshitting." I said, "I'm I'm not lying." I said, "The gear stick fell off. We had to do the the test on the track with the gear stick overlapped and gaffer taped and oh splinted God. together, and to and you had to change gear lower Holding down the on the yeah. stick. Yeah, and we're like, this is a uh, what was it at the time? Hundred and eighty grand? I can't yeah. remember. It was a lot of money. It was one of the most expensive cars, and we still laugh about it to this day. That is unbelievable. But, right, yeah. let's let's dive back to the beginning. Yes. How did you start off? How, how did you get into this? Were you, have you always been into cars? <clears throat> yeah, well, I, I grew up in a family where we weren't car people as such, mm-hmm. but we my parents drove a car that was deeply out of date all the time. And, my, and I guess my, my, my dad still maintains that it, it was just purely by accident. My dad's very much like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm. So they bought a brand new car in 76. I was born in 79. My brother was born in 77. And that was the family car. We kept that car until 1999. Oh, wow. That's good going. Yeah. But of course, times changed then. Things like the internet and fashion. And driving a 70s car in the 90s was just a bit weird. And I remember growing up, going to primary school in it. I got taken back from hospital when I was born in that car. And I didn't think it was weird at the time, but my dad used to spend a lot of weekends mending the car. Right, okay. On the drive. 
Yeah. And we used to go to scrapyards to get bits for dad's car because it's broken again. <laughs> and I didn't think that was weird. Like my mum used to pack me and my brother a lunchbox because you're like, oh, you're going off to the scrapyard with dad, daddy. And uh, we're going, yeah, cool. And we go around the scrapyards and pull bits out of cars and climb stacks of cars. And it was great fun. So there was a combination of that, just seeing my dad being very hands-on. My dad is a, was a retired, is an engineer. Yeah. So he wasn't, um, he, he worked on bridge structures, not, not cars. Proper engineer. And the car, and the car wasn't, the car was not exotic. The car was a Hillman Avenger. In fact, that's why I'm wearing this t-shirt. Nice. This is to pay homage to my, the <laughs> humble family car that, that I loved so much. So a combination of seeing dad being quite hands-on. We lived in a, in Somerset in, 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 you know, a quiet village. And my mum would let us kind of piss around with lawnmower engines and motorbikes, you know, Mm. like field bikes. And I think the combination of that with the fact that just became really interested in cars through watching TV. And because I was a kid of the eighties, you saw really influential TV stuff like Dukes of Hazzard and A-Team and Knight Rider and Fall Guy and, really big action TV stuff, lots of cars getting barrel rolled and doing donuts. It was really, you know, it was good fun. So I think the combination of that, and then as time got on a bit, I realised that I just, I really loved classic cars. I I enjoyed history, but I realised cars are a good reflection of history. Because I'd inadvertently grown up with old cars, I I sort of gravitated towards older stuff. Uh, and I got into my job because I knew I was rubbish at maths and uh, I was good at English and I was quite creative and artistic. And I thought I want to either work in the advertising commercial mm-hmm. industry or or magazines. And my mum used to buy me a, a magazine every month, you know, if I'd done the chores. Yeah. And it was always a car mag. And I used to pour over it. I used to pour over it. I absolutely loved it. And I think that set me on my journey. That yeah. and 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 uh, uh, Tamiya radio control kit. Oh right, yeah. Cars. I used to enjoy the making of the kits. Obviously, going out on the street with your mates, they'd all bring theirs out. You know, there'd be a bit of a you know bit bit of peacocking yeah. going on. Mine's faster. <laughs> mine can do best, better jumps. I bet mine donuts better than yours, <laughs> etc. And that and that 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 was the pre precursor to you know passing your test at seventeen. And then, um, yeah, and I just badgered people to get my first job. I, I went to university and didn't enjoy it. And I, I'd been badgering for, I'd done work experience in a magazine when I was at college and loved it, really, really loved it. And then managed to get some work published while I was at uni. And I got offered a staff writer job on a small classic VW mag and quit my degree and took it. Nice. My dad came. My dad came and picked me up and stuffed my belongings into the car and drove me to Cheshire. I'd never even been to Cheshire, and uh, and I lived there for three years and worked my way up through the ranks. And then that that was it. Magazine, uh, like I worked on probably four magazines. Some of them you'll know, like Max Power Car, yeah. oh, Max Power Magazine. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did that. a few. I did a stint on Max and Revs before that, which is the sister magazine to Max. And we had, I mean, it was a, it was awesome. It was it was fun. What was, was working at a magazine like back then? Because I presume oh, it was fun. it's it was, very different it was, to now. Yeah, it was really different, Sam. I mean, I haven't worked on mags since two thousand and seven, really. Yeah. So it's it was good because back then you have to realise you know people forget this. Social media didn't exist. Yeah. For, forums forums were quite new. Uh, the internet was not monetized. And so, and I know I and I worked pre-digital cameras. So I, uh, my first job 
my early mag jobs, we shot on transparency, mm. wow. which makes me sound like I'm about 60 years old, but trust me, I'm not. Uh, technology moves fast. And so what we had was we, the mag sold really well. So we had a good budget, an editorial budget. You know, and I was always tasked with come up with really memorable features, come up with features that people don't forget, that they talk about the next month and that they share and make a splash, you know. Mm. And it really pushed your sort of creative limits. And it was great to be able to, you know, pitch an idea in a meeting. And I remember the offices were so creative. I mean, the offices were even more untidy than this room that I'm sat in. There was just like clippings on the walls and posters and ideas with, you know, whiteboards. And I remember going into work thinking, this is just great. And we were always quite badly paid. And, and, and you probably know this, it's not a nine to five job. Mm. So if you were looking for a nine to five, it was not that. And it was quite hard if you were ever trying to hold down a relationship. But very, very satisfying to get a piece of work out in a mag or a good cover yeah. story. Or And I really, really enjoyed it. You know, it's bizarre because I, th- I sat at, at Christmas time thinking, how, how long have I been a journalist? It's like I started in 98 it's like bloody hell that's over 20 years ago gosh okay that's quite scary but i've enjoyed seeing this transition into you know the, the dawning of youtube so i got made redundant from a magazine publishing group in yeah. 2006 i'd already done a been asked to have a meeting with uh, the, the producers of fifth gear the tv yeah. show on channel five at the time and uh, as a friend of mine tom ford was a presenter on that who i'd worked with in other magazines. Mm. I I had no intention of working on the TV. I didn't know what it entailed, actually. But I thought, yeah, I've got nothing to lose. The year before, I'd been a talking head on a Sky One like movie car show when I was on Max Power because they wanted someone to talk about iconic films and no one else on the team wanted to do it. So I was like, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'll go down to London and sit on a, yeah. in a studio and talk about Herbie and Fast and Furious or Mad Max, whatever. And then, um, yeah, I turned up to have lunch, have a, have a lunch meeting with the executive producers of Fifth Gear, and they just pulled the camera straight out at me when I, I, st- I was still in the car park and said, talk about the car you've turned up in for 10 minutes. Go. How was that? Well, it was a bit harrowing, really, because yeah. I, 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 I didn't think I was going to an audition. Yeah. just thought I was having a meeting. I guess that was their trick. And um, luckily, I turned up in a car that I knew something about, thank goodness. Um, which was a Mark V Golf GTI at the time, which was new. And then did, did, did a chat and then heard nothing for several months. Got made redundant in that time. The world kind of caved in a bit and you were like, right, what am I going to do? I decided to go freelance. And then the phone rang and they said, we've shown the the, 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 the clip to, to Channel 5 and they really like it. Would you like to present one episode? And if you don't muck it up, we might give you another one. And so that was that. Nice. And... Yeah, I know, it was, and it was weird. And I, and I and and I know you don't you shouldn't look back at your old stuff because it's embarrassing, but people dig stuff out and yeah, email yeah, you, sure you. And social media reminds you of all the things <laughs> and you've done. And it's in like but, square format because that's that's what it was like back yeah. then. Square format, I mean, clothes, you know, the clothes you just yeah, the go, hair, whatever. I mean, my wife just mocks me. So, but I'm I'm I, yeah, I mean that was that was 06. And then between 06 and now, it's been uh, various, the fifth gear is still going uh, in its 28th series. Yeah, 28, 28 series. 28 series. So how many series do they do? Obviously, they do more than one yeah. a year. 
they usually do between one and two a year depends right and and when you were there what was that in terms of like a filming schedule were you filming like an episode a week or how, how did it work you, you you're normally in a you're filming in a block of the schedule that let's say fifth gear is filmed over two or three months mm-hmm. and and in that two or three months you'll film maybe one day a week yeah it depends sometimes they try and compress that and they try and film everything in like an eight-week period but of course if cars are being launched at different times or the or the, the climate is bad or whatever yeah and you'll and then everything you film you'll do a voiceover for in a studio which is quite good fun and then yeah so sometimes it's quite busy because it's all bunched up and you'll hop from one shoot to another and it's a bit relentless and if you're filming any other tv or doing any other freelance yeah. work at the same time it's a bit of a plate juggle but i don't need to tell you that you know what it's like yeah yeah and um you can get quite frazzled <laughs> But I always, I've always enjoyed it. It's always been good fun. It's always been great to work with the people on that show. It's a very simple show. It's um, yeah. it's not pretentious. It's not very high budget, but it gets the job done. And it has a, it has a really like loyal, strong following, which is, is 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 pretty cool. And I started on series ten. Yeah. So I've done eighteen series. Wow. And I'm and I'm you know that, I know and it's like. Most TV shows don't go beyond four series, five series in the modern world now. You know, it's quite yeah. hard to get a new TV show off the ground. And this is, I've, 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 I've done that. You know, I've done new TV shows which have gone out and they've been okay, but they've yeah. not succeeded as much as people want. And, you know, expectations are high these days. And to get high TV numbers when on, 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 on traditional TV yeah. – without catch up without the internet is is quite hard so and that's why i suppose i just sort of merged into doing youtube stuff mm. because i suppose it coincided with youtube becoming a powerful force yeah. rather than a hobby and brands realized that and um and what i love about youtube because the thing is youtube i'm going off on a bit of a tangent sorry Go youtubers you people that work on youtube aspire to work on tv i feel and people that work on traditional TV usually just want to be liberated. Yeah. And that's what you, and YouTube is like that, that liberation. And I say liberation because the rules on YouTube are so slack, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, it's a bit free reign. And, Do what you want. And I, yeah. And I like that. I don't tend to like to be scripted. I'm a bit, I'm a bit, you know, of a scatterbrain. So that's why I like doing YouTube stuff. But it all, always in an ideal world, as a freelance person, you're always trying to do a bit, bit of everything, aren't you? Uh, for for presence and yeah, see know, what self, works. Self PR, yeah. And you just got to, you know, I'm not going to lie. You've, you've just got to remind the world that you still exist and that you're hopefully someone worth taking notice of, and your opinion counts, and you're yeah. credible in your field. Or, but you know, it's a it's a busy it's a busy world. It's busy. Last year was the busiest year I've ever had. That's yeah. good and bad, but good. It's bad for my face. <laughs> um, it's probably quite good for my bank. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, it's, it, 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 it's ever-changing. You know, I thought this year was, got off, this year was promising, got off to a pretty good start. And yeah. now here we are <laughs> just sitting in a, a disheveled spare room. But now uh, we're talking. Uh, we've not oh, spoken yeah. before. But actually, you know, it encourages creativity. Yeah. And you know that that's what this this situation has done. It's it's made everybody think um, laterally. And yeah, how can I, I, I 
do yeah, something I don't a bit mind. different, get it working and whatever. Exactly. Yeah. From back in the, the, the sort of fifth gear years, do you have any standout sort of tests or videos or anything that were just sort of pretty damn hilarious or particularly memorable? Well, I remember doing the, the one, the, there's ones that people often seem to rem- remember. When we did the Drift Bedford Rascal challenge with me and Tom Ford, that was, we, we did Reliant Robbins first and that was disastrous. <laughs> and, and then we thought, let's make something even more disastrous. So we did Bedford Rascal Drift Off. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I rolled mine, but we managed to repair it. <laughs> And then and then Tom outdrifted me and did a lap of honour and broke his leg. How? Um, How? Yeah, he yeah, but he drove into a concrete wall. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> in a Bedford Rascal, it's not a great idea. So that one was that one was quite. That was a long time ago. That shoot. Yeah. The the Red Victor one feature a lot of people go on about, which was the world's fastest car. Yeah, built I remember by, that. Built by the bloke from Wolverhampton. Yeah, in the yeah, shares. street legal the street legal car. And that's a big passion of mine, that people that push the envelope of legality for ridiculous power cars, you know, and, and I'm still really close friends with Andy because Andy said like that feature opened up his world mm. to, to, to everybody, you know, he became a sort of uh, infamous and I've been in that car twice, three times and I'm trying to go out in it again. In fact, that was one of the things that he's, he's he built another one yeah. and it lives, it lives out in the middle East. he, he flies okay. out to, to race it in Bahrain. He's got some sponsorship out there. Yeah, and that thing's 4,000 horsepower. 4,000 horsepower. I think it's 4,000 now. Yeah, it's running um, It's running methanol. And yeah, it's, 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 it, yeah, it's like one and, a, it's one and a half more powerful than, than the one I first went in, which was 20, 2,200 horse. And that was lunacy. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing about these street legal drag cars. It's, it's numbers that you and I are not familiar with. Yeah. It's just, but I love that there's always an interesting life story behind those cars. It's a, yeah, like, much about the people. To build something like that, you've got to be a certain type of person that you've got to have, a, for some reason, a real desire to go way, way, way beyond what most people consider it enough. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 obsession. There's no doubt. We all meet people in the car world with with obsessions. I mean, maybe I have a bit of an obsession. What's but, your obsession? Yeah, what is my obsession? Uh, well, I went through a phase of being obsessed with electric drag racing yeah. and built built an electric drag car, a street legal drag car, oh, oh, because of Andy Frost's project. Actually, was this called the Flux you- Capacitor Dragster? Or was that something yeah, else? there was the flux capacitor. Yeah, Johnny's flux capacitor. Someone asked me about this. Some Dan Dan Edwards said, "What happened to it?" The flux capacitor I bought in 2012, and it and and for those that don't know, it was in a very unpopular 1970s electric city car built on the Isle of Wight, nine feet long, six horsepower, or was it eight? Eight horsepower. I don't want to do it to service. <laughs> um, um, Big numbers. I. I decided to try and push the boundary and make it the the world's quickest street legal electric car. So we spent nearly two years turning it into nearly a thousand horsepower and it would do, yeah, I've still got the world record for a, for, for a street legal EV over the quarter mile, 9.8 seconds, which, which equaled the 918 Spider Porsche. That is quick. Time. Yeah. Yeah. It was exactly the same speed as a 918 spider so i'll, I'll take that <laughs> yeah fair play uh, with with no traction control no uh, nothing apart from a roll cage and um 
so I campaigned that cup. We built it. We campaigned it 2015, 2016. I really poured my life and soul into it. And my wife really supported me on that. It's very time consuming. What's the know? process you- of building something like that? Were you doing it at home? Were you doing it was, in collaboration was doing a with a bunch of people? Yeah, I had a drag car builder who builds a lot of these sort of cars who did the guts of the car, like the um, modified the chassis, built the rear axle, did the roll cage to the right spec. And he was, John Webster's great. He was the guy that I, I went to with the car on a trailer as soon as I bought it and said, here's what I want to do, but be honest with me if it's just, you know, crackpot. Yeah. If it's a, if it's stupid. And he just walked around it for 15 minutes with a pencil tapping his mouth. I remember. <laughs> and he said, he said nothing. And, and, and he's, and he just looked at me and he said, so you want, you want this to be able to run, you know, 10 second quarter miles. And I went, yeah. He goes, yeah, I think we can do that. And I went, okay. And if John says it, cause he's, he's a no BS kind of guy. Yeah. If you look him up, Webster race engineering, he's built some unbelievable cars. He, yeah, sure enough. He built the, 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 the main components of the car, not the electric parts, but the, but the, the drag orientated parts and that car never broke it never failed it was it never lost control on the strip despite everybody telling me it was going to be a a, a death machine because yeah. it's too short 1.7 meter wheelbase sam that's quite short it's really short when you're <laughs> running a thousand horsepower let how me tell you that it? how wide not very wide um well i could touch the passenger window really easily from the driver's seat yeah well, if you go on flux-capacitor.co.uk, I'm pretty sure it is a foot shorter than an Austin Mini. What and is I it? think it was no. What was the website? I think it's flux-capacitor.co.uk. I should know all this. I lived and breathed it for three, four years. But to answer, this is a really drawn out way of answering your <laughs> your your the, the lovely person's question. I don't own the car anymore. Yeah. I, I campaigned it for two years. I got the world record and the deal with my wife was you campaign it for two years. And even if you don't get the record, you then have to retire it. And then we either, we either keep, keep it as a sort of exhi- exhibition car or we sell it. Yeah. And one of my sponsors who is a great guy who was actually related to the original like tycoon who bankrolled the, the Enfield car operation in the sixties and seventies. He bought it off me oh, nice. and he owns it. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And I, uh, I'm trying to persuade him to let me bring it out now and again, because it, it does still exist. It, it, I'd like to drive it again. In fact, I've, the problem with cars like that is you, they are an addiction. You, you just want to go quicker again. And, I, and, I, I, and if I ever do, I've got plans to build a quicker, slightly madder car, but you need the backing of an OEM really. Because yeah. it, it consumes you, you know but it was it did it it did its job and people loved it yeah, it was the underdog I just I used pictures to... of it like pretty hilarious looking little thing oh man i turn up at the track and people would just keep me at arm's length people like i just don't know what's going on with this guy this i don't amazing. know what the deal is and you'd rock you'd stage up next to a next to a supercharged <laughs> v8 or whatever had a guy in a 911 turbo s with some sort of remap and 997 at the time this was yeah. it was a new pretty new car and i was like yeah we'll, we'll we'll take him on and um first couple of times i didn't beat him we pretty much i, I would out drag him up to about 60 70 miles an hour yeah. and then he would he would come and get me but 
he he couldn't believe it. He came around to the pits and was like, "What what what's he doing with this car?" <laughs> he said, "Because my my nine eleven's running like six yeah, seventy yeah. horsepower, whatever it was, and it's obviously four wheel drive launch control." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm rear wheel drive, no no traction." <laughs> We're still running, and I'm not running slicks because yeah. people would say you're running slicks. I'm not running slicks. I'm, I was running um, street legal treaded tires, yeah. and he was like, "Just don't. I don't understand. I don't. <laughs> I don't get it." And so yeah, that and we and we and as part of that, the event that I, you know the, the the series I race that car in, you have to do a mandatory street cruise. So mm. you don't just drive it on the on the quarter mile drag strip. You you have to go out and do a thirty mile cruise. Yeah. And to prove that the car is legal, that it doesn't fall to bits, that you know, the, that the indicators and the horn work, yeah. all of those things. And I'm I was competing with big V8s. And at first they they didn't understand me and nobody talked that to me. So and then and then and then like the second season after I'd proven the car a bit, I was really welcomed by them and they loved the fact that it was just a complete black sheep. Yeah. It was just so odd. And there's nothing uh, better than seeing like that thing of like a big American muscle V8 or whatever lined up against yeah. this tiny little thing that's just like, it reminds me yeah. of those drag videos of like, I can't remember who did it. Something like Ken Block or someone like that, but like a big monster truck and then a little remote control monster truck. Next oh, to the, it. It, yes. The it's radio like, control car. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and that's what it is. Cause people like the underdog, right? People are fascinated exactly. with the, the different recipe. And I suppose that actually, is almost the essence of my car perversion. It's yeah. like I, ha- I have appreciation for so many different size, shapes, machines, because it depends what you want to do with it and who's built it and what it's about. There's so much to enjoy and appreciate. Even if you don't like the car in its entirety, yeah. there's an aspect that you probably love. Something I've sort of learned over the last two years, maybe. Um, I now do some stuff, uh, some photography around the Peter Auto, like classic car racing events so yeah. sort of like 50s 60s 70s Le Mans cars racing around still and awesome yeah it's just unbelievable bits of kit I mean impossible not to like really yeah just just cool and yeah. I spent quite a bit of time with the father of one of the guys that runs one of the groups and he has been a mechanic for like I don't know 60 years or something working on all these cars and you wander around the pits and all these cars that I look at and go like, mm, yeah, whatever. Like, it's an old thing. And he'll be like, oh, this car. And then he'll tell me like a fun fact about it. And like, this, yeah. this thing has gone from completely dull to really cool in like half a second. Like, whether it's an old, <laughs> I don't know, chain-driven, I, don't, I literally don't know what these things are. I can't remember what they're called. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, they're, the, they're, yeah, with a fixed relic. rear axle that just drifts everywhere. And you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And now it's just unbelievably cool. Like all these little stories and meeting the people. There's something about these podcasts that I, I didn't know I'd enjoyed so much. Is It's actually just meeting people and hearing their stories. Yeah. And yeah, there's cars and we can talk about cars and whatever. But the thing that gets me and I think gets people listening is hearing people's stories and what drives them and everyone's opinions yeah. and stuff like that. It's just I reckon I, th- I think as you get a bit older as well your your interest in cars broadens because mm. you just realize that it, it's so much more than just how a car looks and not six how, time, how it drives exactly there's a story behind it there's a fascination there's um and it and it takes that person that you met that guy's dad and and like my my brother's that guy mm. 
because my brother works on a lot of pre-war stuff and pre-war yeah. stuff I didn't know much about. And I was a bit like, eh, yeah, it's yeah. a bit too far away in the past for me. But my brother will go, well, do you, do you know what's special about that, Johnny? And I go, not really, Greg. And he'll go, well, that was the world's first car to have independent rear suspension. Or you'll go, that was the very first car to have power steering. And you yeah. go, oh, actually, that's really cool. And you go, yeah. yeah. And that thing over there, the guy that owned that business, uh, well, he got shot and assassinated because of X and Y. And you go, oh, my God, there's some serious stories in here. And, of course, the car then, like you say, becomes instantly fascinating yeah. because of that. So, And that's why there's so many cars and not enough time, Sam. Basically. But yeah, that's a great I mean, thing. That's, that's a great problem. It is, it is an interesting problem to have. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I recently met a guy who was obsessed with escorts, mm. obsessed with Mark 1 and Mark 2 Ford escorts. Just spending a day with him was just, <laughs> was, a, was, a, was brilliant because he is absolutely obsessed. I mean, yeah, completely obsessed, bonkers, bonkers. You could have offered him any other car. And he was like, yeah, he sort of appreciated the cars, mm. but for him, it was all about the Mark 1 and Mark 2 escort to the point where he'd built, he was a jeweler and he built one out of um, gold and silver and platinum. It's oh, wow. taken him about 4,000 hours. <laughs> That's and, amazing. And I looked at it and I really had to study it because we, we filmed an episode on it. And he said, yeah, look at the rally lights. Can you see the rally lights? I went, yeah, they're diamonds. He goes, yeah, that's 40 grand's worth of diamonds just in the rally lights. And I went, oh okay. my word. <laughs> this is, we're, we're in deep now. But again, okay. we're, we're, without, without contacts and without, you know, this world, I would have never found yeah. Russell and I would have never gone and had access to his, his shop and his, his collection of cars at home. And so, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It's it's really, awesome. really good. I think that's something that is, uh, is amazing about the stage we're at now where the internet and things like that is, and also just pretty much anyone and anyone now can pick up their phone and record something and put it out there, which means yeah. you don't just get, let's say there's three popular magazines and they put out, mm. you know, a certain, they have a certain attitude and a thing that they think their readers will listen to or watch or whatever. So you get three opinions ish. And that's all you can consume. You can't consume anything else. Whereas now we've got like a hundred bazillion people putting out content and yeah. all this stuff that otherwise wouldn't have got traction because people go, oh, it's probably not that interesting. <laughs> it, like suddenly there's 500,000 people that want to know about uh, someone that's turned an M3 into an estate or whatever, like all yeah. this stuff. And it's just, yeah. it gives us so much more to consume. Now we don't have any more yeah. hours in the day to consume it, but it's, I think it's amazing that it's all out there. Oh, yeah. People are always asking me how you get into this sort of industry. And, mm. and you know, the, the, the answer is, I in some ways, it's never been easier because you can self-publish, yeah. whereas you couldn't. When I first started, of course, you couldn't do that. You, you, the, the key to it was badgering people for work experience yeah. and getting work published. And you massive budgets. Yeah, 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 exactly. Massive budget. And, and now, like, like you say, you could set up a YouTube channel or an Instagram channel tomorrow and be nobody, yeah. but have, have some content which you believe is compelling. Yeah. Put it out there. And before you know it, 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 could, it could become a hit. A hit. It, could, it could get a new living or it could get you the job that you want. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, it's ridiculously accessible now. I had someone come up to me a while ago and he was like, look, I love, I really want to start a YouTube channel. I love cars. But like, I'm never going to get access to a McLaren 720S. So like, what's the point? I was like, no, that you've missed the point. 
Like yeah. what gets you excited? Yeah. Like whatever it is, like if it's yeah. modifying your civic or whatever, if yeah. you find it interesting, one, you can like sell the content at like, not yeah. as in commercially, but people buy into it. And yeah. there's endless scope. If you find it interesting, you can go to your mates and whatever. He's done something cool. Just film that. And there yeah. are people like you out there that will watch it. I think exactly that. The what was niche is no longer niche because yeah. that's what the the internet opens up niches to the point where I mean, is is a niche a niche anymore? I, yeah, because if a hundred thousand people watch a video, that's not yeah. niche anymore, is it? That's the thing. I mean, I I did a video about finding um, a barn find Austin Allegro, which I thought would be deeply divisive and unpopular <laughs> but I, I i just i've got a bit, bit of a guilty pleasure about allegros from when i was growing up my grandma and grandpa had one and yeah. it had a square steering wheel it was just funny and um um so i did this video which self-filmed it and put it out on my youtube channel and it's had like four hundred thousand views nice and nice. it's one of the it's one of the world's least popular cars <laughs> i love to hate it and so I just said, I said to people, it's like, could, would you believe that? Ordinarily, that would have never flown. Yeah. People would have, it wouldn't, people wouldn't have commissioned it as a show. Yeah, absolutely it not. It just goes to show people are fascinated. And, and again, it's the story behind the car. It's a one owner car that had been laid up since it was about six years old, which is just bizarre. But um, yeah, who knows? There's no such thing as niche. No. And I like, I like, I like learning. I, I like learning about new cars and new vehicles and stuff from the past and the future. Yeah. But I also like it when people say to you, oh, I didn't know about X and Y until you told me. In fact, I get that a lot with the Enfield, with the, the flux capacitor. Yeah. I had no idea that electric cars existed in the seventies until I heard about your car. And it's like, well, yeah, they, they electric cars have been around for over a hundred years. Yeah. You know, they were, they were, they were a big deal in the early 1900s by the big industry. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and there's a, there's there's a big story there. So, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So after, at one point, we're working for a channel called Fully Charged. Is that right? Is it called Fully yeah, Charged? So, yeah, I worked for Fully Charged from 2017 to the end of 2019. So I did three years with Robert Llewellyn and um, the team um, and really enjoyed it. I had a really good time. In fact, I did some of my... Um, sort of my my proudest videos video yeah. content on fully charged and uh i suppose i was tasked with bringing a motoring journalist specialist yeah. eye to the to the channel and um and i met robert through my flux capacitor drag car he was fascinated with it and he wanted to come and review it and he came to the house and i let him drive it yeah and um and we became really good friends yeah i did some great stuff i mean the highlight there were a few highlights but for those of you who don't know, Fully Charged is a channel all about um, EVs and, and renewable energy. And um, I i am one of the, I, back then, certainly, I was one of the rare motoring journalists that appreciated both sides. Mm. I appreciated EV technology, both past and present, and also a lot of piston cars, classic and yeah. current. And that's my thing still. But um, yeah, like last year, getting the, the the world exclusive on the Taycan, the Porsche Taycan was a big deal. That was I I I'm not going to say it broke the internet because it didn't. <laughs> Internet's very robust these days. It's very difficult but, um, to break it. Yeah, you know, and it's just I just sound like an idiot, but it did really well. Yeah, 
And it, and it, and it was awesome to have reached that point where finally, you know, people, brands that I've known for a long time and worked with since the magazine days, I could have said, look, trust me on this. I reckon it will get, yeah, it'll get a lot of attention if I do that. So what do you think of the the Taycan? I think the Taycan's, I think the Taycan's phenomenal. When I first saw the pictures of it, I worried it was going to be too similar to the Panamera. Yeah, and when we when we filmed with it, I wasn't allowed to park it next to a Panamera because that was my <laughs> that was going to be my first thing to do. They went, "No, you can't do that." <laughs> and I don't like the look of the Panamera. I mean, it's got better, but it's still a very blobby, yeah, strange looking thing. The estate version that looks that's, the best. Yes, that's whatever it's called, Sport Turismo. It's, Sport Turismo. That's what it was born to be, right? Yeah, totally. Really, and they did yeah. a concept of it. Like about yeah. three years before they changed it, and everyone saw. Oh, every, I think it was at Paris, and I went to see it. I was went, like, "Why have you not done this already?" <laughs> yeah, because suddenly it's not quite ugly. It's not yeah. ugly anymore, which is a good thing. But um, yeah, the Taycan was the thing. The thing about the Taycan is, no, it's probably not as quick as um, the, the the high ranking Teslas. Yeah, but it brings with it Porsche's know how of brakes and steering and track ability and the build quality you know yeah. you you know porsches are they're built for punishment yeah they're exceptionally well well put together cars and i think that's the difference to all the people that are blinkered by the whole tesla phenomenon and yeah. trust me i'm not a tesla hater i i think tesla have done an, an, an unbelievable serious game-changing job but you can't t- tell me that a Tesla stops well because it doesn't. Mm. And you can't tell me the interior's well put together because it's average at best yeah. for the price. But where the Taycan comes in and just it, – it, it, it's the EV for the, for, the, for the car enthusiast in many ways yeah. rather than the tech enthusiast because I, I see a lot of EV owners coming into the world of cars as tech people, not yeah. car people. And there has to be you people fail to understand that. I'm not a tech person per se. I come from a background of car interest. Yeah. And I see tech I keep tech at arm's length until I understand whether it's useful or not. I call me a Luddite. <laughs> but I, I you know, I go, is this technology going to help me or is it just going to piss me off? Yeah. And if it's going to piss me off, I'll 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 push it to one side. And there's a Cars are so laden with tech now, aren't they? It's ridiculous. I drove, it was like a Ford Focus, I think, the other day, and it had the lane guiding thing. That, like, oh, lane departure assist. When you rumble, yeah. get to the edge, it starts rumbling, but you couldn't yeah. disable it Oh, uh, without pulling freezes or something, and it drove <laughs> me mad. Yeah. You see, I've said this in various videos and things like that. I don't really like lane departure, and there's a couple of other technologies i don't really like tesla autopilot mm. actually why not and that's because i'm a i'm a driving enthusiast so i like to drive okay and i think that if you're not fit to drive then if you're not fit to drive you're going to rely on such technologies to the point where when an incident arises and you need to react and you don't yep. don't blame the car because you're the driver you pass your test and for the foreseeable future, you're still going to have to pass a driving test. You're in control of a machine which could cause catastrophic damage. Yeah. So pay attention. The videos it, of people driving down the motorway, like I don't know, reading a book on their Tesla, texting their mate, or I mean, what? I mean, seriously, it's it's sick. And I I I, I I've done a lot of research and and videos on on autonomous cars mm. or pods, transport pods, yeah. whatever you want to call them. And I blow hot and cold with them because I can see them working in certain instances. 
and other instances I see them as just slightly pointless. But I do think that there's no doubt they're coming and there's no doubt the technology yeah. exists, as you, you you know, and a lot of the listeners will know. But uh, I think if it's fit for purpose, if it's right in a certain yeah. environment, yes. Uh, I personally, or full autonomy, if it doesn't let me get into the back of my own car when I've had a bottle of wine and take me home, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit upset about that because I think... It That's could be I the want. best way to solve drink driving. Yes. I don't, I, I, if I know I'm going to drive home, I don't drink. And, yeah. you know, so I think if it wouldn't it be nice to just in the pub, tell your car to come and get you because yeah. it will, do, it'll do that. It's soon. It'll be parked somewhere charging up. Exactly. It'll come and get you and it'll wait for you outside the restaurant or whatever. And you get in the back, not the front. Mm. And you've already through your app told the car, I'm going home. So send me yeah. home. And it chooses the journey and it chooses the speed it wants to go. You don't because you're drunk. And it and it bings at you and puts the lights on when you've arrived home because you'll yeah. be asleep with your mouth open on the back seat. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm I'm into this. This could work. That <laughs> but, is that's the one I want. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I really feel like on the one hand, the world is going into this autonomy driven automatic gearbox, you know, uh, automatic cruise adjustable cruise mm. control. All of that, you know, LIDAR, whatever. And on the other hand, I feel like in the same way that if you're into watches, you you have this feeling. We have digital watches and we've had digital watches for yeah, years. Yeah. And smart and now we have smart watches, which aren't really watches, they're computers on your wrist. But anyway, that's another story. With built-in obsolescence. But anyway, people still crave a well put together mechanical watch. They do. There's a human fascination, there's a tactility there. It's old school engineering and nice materials and, and I think the rise of the technology is great for certain purposes, but what I think all it's going to do is propagate more of an interest for a three-pedal engaging car. Yeah. And that's why I will always have an old car in the garage because I want to either physically tinker with it and nurture it and maybe teach – I'm trying to teach my kids about basic maintenance, but also – it's a really nice antidote for the day-to-day thing. You know, I've got an electric car that I drive every day. So it's the total opposite. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. I think I've, I own a few cars and at one point in time, they were all similar in terms of like the vein, like what sort of car they were. They were like driver's cars that were entertaining to drive, but I could look at my garage and and I kind of go, I don't really know which one to drive because they all provide a similar thing. And I've changed yeah. in the last year, two years to go, okay, my daily driver needs to be comfy and have space for my stuff. Like that's all yeah. it needs really. And if it could be fully autonomous and I just get in the back and it drive me around town or whatever, I a hundred percent would totally have that. But then you have <laughs> the car for the weekend and you want it to be, I want to have, the engagement so it for me it's going to have to be a manual it's going to have to have three pedals it's going to have to have an engine that sounds good i don't want hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just to have a million horsepower just because. Like, that doesn't yep. matter. That doesn't make it better. The experience no. has to be really good. And yep. I'm totally fine for this divide. I think the people that worry that electric cars are just going to remove all of that, we're not taking these old cars off the road anytime soon. No, no, um, I don't think we are. And I was talking to someone the other day and he was saying, we've sort of got to the point where we've kind of defined the era of the combustion engine. We're coming towards the end of it. When mm. they, I don't know when it started, 19, whatever. Oh, maybe a bit uh, very, very late 1800s. Yeah. Very late. Yeah. To, yeah. to now. And that's going to be the era of combustion engines. And people are going to find, you know, their niche that they like within that. And after that's just yeah. electric. But people, yeah. when those cars stop being sold, they are yeah. now collector's items. Okay, the yeah. millions of bleh cars, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but the ones that are good, there's only a finite yeah. number of them and they're only getting older. So. Yeah we've sort of defined the, the combustion era and everyone's just going to pick their, their bit. Yeah, I think so. And I think even if we're restricted on using them, I can't see them being a hundred percent outlawed in the near future. Yeah. People say this, people go, Oh, they're, they're just going to disappear. It's like, too expensive. Not, not, yeah, they're not, they're, 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 there's too much of an industry around them for mm. restoration and, 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 you know, uh, historic racing and that sort of thing. But you, I think that stuff will get appreciated even more. Yeah. We will, we will go to a Goodwood revival type event and we will really relish it even more because it'll be like for just two days of the year, these things are allowed to drive yeah. flat out. You can hear them, you can smell them, you can appreciate them. Young people who have never heard of a fifth, never seen or heard a fifties race car. We can go out there and yeah. really get, get to grips with it. Um, so yeah, it, I, I think it's exciting because I, I think these, these, like I said before, these worlds can coexist. I don't have a problem with it. I have several V8s. I have an electric car. I'm, I, I don't wear hemp sandals. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not vegan. No, no disrespect to vegans. I'm not vegan. I am vegetarian. Yeah. I'm not vegan. And I'm not, I'm not that weird. I don't think, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you, you, well, you can, you know, you can bloody decide. That's that. for other people yeah. to decide, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I to decide that, Sam? Who am what I do you decide? think of electric race cars? Well, I think electric, the, the difficulty that electric has, and you said this just before, was, is, is people discount it immediately because of the lack of noise or the, or the, it has noise, but it's different. Mm. And um, the, 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 the really big challenge that it has the enjoyment for an, for an electric performance car is the delivery of torque. And if you can't experience that through the seat of your own pants, it's really hard to describe that and convey it. Yeah. In the same way that if you watch Formula One, sometimes they don't look like they're going that fast. No, they don't. Um, you know, when you're doing a panning shot and things, and, it, and it's like they, they're doing 170 on that corner or whatever, but it doesn't look all that... So it's a big challenge, but what I think stuff like Formula E is doing is it's re it's sort of resetting because Formula One's got to the point where it's all got a bit too wanky. Yeah. 
the rule changes have got out of hand. The, the, the cost, the physical cost of it's become a bit, I think, vulgar. And so Formula E predominantly, I think, appeals to a younger person with less prejudices and less of a memory of the way things were. Yeah. So they come into it and go, you know, I don't know if you've been to a Formula E event, but yeah. it's very welcoming. You Pit access is not a problem. It's not an expensive event. Of course, it's done in, in a, a lot of inner city areas where, uh, you know, piston race event wouldn't be allowed. So you can mock it, but you can see how quickly it's it's developed in the last five, six years. Yeah. So I personally prefer tin top racing. So I'm more interested in like electric touring car stuff that's yeah. coming on electric, electric rally cross. But there's no doubt it appears to a younger generation with less prejudices on their shoulders, who's more into maybe from the gaming side of things. Mm. And I think just for, for, for people that aren't as young as that, to just give it a little bit more time. And if you've never really tasted an EV, try and get a, a, a ride in one or a drive in one because there's something about them that's yeah. very that's very good. I mean, aside from the fact they're highly efficient and they're zero tailpipe emission, they're, they're fit for a purpose, for many purposes. Um, and with my EV race car, the t- I built that EV race car before Formula E existed. Mm. They got a bit more money and a bit more marketing <laughs> than me. Um, but I, I, the whole idea for me was, can you build an, an, an EV muscle car and can it have charisma? Yeah. Can it, can it bring in that element that we all love of just like ridiculous power, uh, you know, burnout in a, in a flash ability. Mm. Can it happen? It was almost like a, a, a live experiment for the last, for three years. That's yeah. kind of what I did really. And I can heartily say that once you've had that kind of power, it's really hard to go back. I mean, like the, the, the it really hit home for me is I had an AMG GTR. Yeah mercedes in that mad green matte green color mm. great car and i got out of my enfield dragster electric yeah. dragster got into that which was nearly 600 horse yeah and, and just drove it flat out down the road it was a hot day and and i i had my foot pinned and i was like yeah could do with a little <laughs> bit more talk and i'm like in a, in a normal world anyone else would have gone yeah. this is this is like devastatingly quick. And to me, it didn't feel that quick. And, I, and it suddenly made me realize, shit, with EV talk is, is proper. It's proper. Do you yeah. think it's going down that avenue? I, I totally appreciate having like a car like that. That's just yeah. like mental fast. But yeah. I sort of think of it as like the, the 911 Turbo or the Nissan GTR sort of situation where... Yeah. You find the owners, they start off with 600 horsepower and they yeah. drive it flat out for three days and then you get used to 600 horsepower and they're like, right, I need 1,200 horsepower. And you do the same, you drive it for five days and then you're like, oh, I need 2,000 horsepower. And what you're yeah. searching for in terms of uh, in a road car at that point in time is just faster. And faster gets, you get used to it incredibly quickly and there's always yeah. something faster. Yeah. So like, and, then it, it, and then you just get bored. It, and then you get desensitized. It's a bit like, I suppose, how drug addicts spiral up the kind of heroin level. Yeah. Because it's like, I've tried this and I've tried that. It doesn't hit, give me a hit. bigger hit. And the, and the problem, and that's always been my criticism of the 911 Turbo. It's like, yeah. it's a really, really good car, but I don't get turned on by it because you just point and shoot and point and shoot and point and shoot and it will do 150 there. Yeah. It will stop, do 150 there and it'll go and call. I'm like, give me a car with a third. Give me a 911 with a, th- a third yeah. of the power, but with more engagement. 
and three pedals and maybe skinnier tires. You know, it's a lot to be said for a, you know, an MX-5. If you put an MX-5 on 155 tires, you'd learn about car control yeah, quite yeah. quickly. And, 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 and that's maybe what people have forgotten. Yeah. All these cars, like if you look at sort of modern supercars, they generally have gone wider tires, more horsepower. And you and yeah. now all cars have like 600 horsepower or whatever. Yeah. But they're also heavier. Like Much we've heavier. got the, the new RS6, is think, I think is 200 kilos heavier than the old RS6. It's got Shit. a, a yeah. tiny bit more horsepower, which actually yeah. means it's slower. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's more luxurious and it's fatter. Yeah. And it's got uh, all these, I drove a, we had a Bentley Continental V8 convertible for a week and we went to Sweden and drove it on the snow. Idiots. Yeah, and that car I got back, and I was just looking. We drove it around as an ice track and stuff like that as well. And we jumped into someone had an A1 Quattro. Yes, uh, I did the launch of that car. It a was really an cool amazing, little car. That that was one of my favourite launches ever. I won't stop your story though. I'll tell you about it in a minute. Yeah, okay, we'll, we'll come back to that. And we got in this <laughs> A1 Quattro, and it just felt amazing. It was like, this car feels so light. And we're just like ripping a handbrake, getting it sideways, back on the power, all this sort of stuff. And then I got home and I looked up how heavy it was. And an A1 Quattro is like 1,550 kilos. So I was like, hang on a minute. This felt really light. How heavy is this Bentley? Bentley's like (laughs) 2.4 tons. Yes. 2.4 tons. And it's a two-door cruiser thing that doesn't have that much space in it. And I got back and I have an S4. And that's like 1,500 kilos or something, 1,550 yeah. or 1,600 or whatever. I'm like, hang on a minute. This doesn't the, the, feel the, the, that, that much like less solid than well, the it's Bentley. Well, it's, it's not evolution as much as it should be. No. My, my, it's one of, I think the, the Bentley, the latest Conti, finally looks really good. I've never I think really it looks amazing. The look of it. Yeah, they've, they've got that right. But I still think for the, car, for the money, why is it made of steel? Yeah, yeah. You know, when a BMW i3 can be made of carbon fiber and be a, 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 a an engineering design yeah. beautiful thing, but it's thirty five grand. If I'm going to go and buy a Bentley, why do I want a big fat piece of steel? No. And why do um, and and like why? So many cars are still made of just real straightforward materials, and I think the the whole material thing that needs to change need to be more creative, especially if you're paying big bucks yeah. for a car. It should be. I think it should have better materials. That Bentley should be, you should be able to get 600 kilos out of that Bentley. Yeah. If it was if, like if it, if sub 1800 kilos. Thing, oh my gosh, it would be. It would be a phenomenal bit of kit. <laughs> it would make the Nissan GTR look like a note. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you get these cars and they're like, oh, we've got 600 horsepower. And then you, the naught to 60 times, like six seconds or something, because it just takes so long to move that mass. And then you slam on the brakes yeah. and it's got the world's biggest calipers. And they're like, yeah, we've got the world's biggest calipers. And you're like, yeah, because you need them because it's not yeah. stopping. Exactly. But this is all stuff that people forget and, and until they get into an older car. Yeah. You know, I've got a street sleeper project, my Austin Allegro, mm. which is my, like I said before, my guilty pleasure. That car, when it was new, was 860 something kilos. Wow. With a with a with an iron um, A series engine in the front. Yeah, I took the A series engine out and put a V six from a Honda Legend or a, a Rover mm. eight two seven in it. Five speed, one hundred and eighty horse, and then we're going to put a supercharger on it. It's lighter than the original Allegro, 
and it'll have about 250 horse. Now, 250 horsepower is not a great deal in the in the in, world of GTIs in some ways. It weighs 800 kilos, it is. But it's going to be under, well under 900 kilos, yeah. even with some extra bracing and stuff. Yeah. And you're like, that should be like like hot Renault Sport Clio territory, yeah. kind of quick. And because it's light, it will corner really well. Consumer well, will be low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, that's kind of. Yeah, it's the whole Colin Chapman ethos, I suppose, isn't it? And um, yeah, cars have become very heavy and very flabby. Yeah, now. I've I've done a bit of. I have a Radical, an SR three. Do you? Which I, I live I near Radical. Do you? Oh, Radical's my local car manufacturer. Is it? I went to yeah. uh, visit them not that long ago, actually. And you should have popped in, Sam. <sighs> Next time, pop in. Next time, I will. Uh, yeah. There, so that car is, I think, mine with me in it. Is like 590 kilos or something, and it's 250 right. horsepower, something like yeah. that. Yeah, and I've driven a lot of modern supercars, and you drive a modern yeah. supercar on track, and then you get in something that weighs 600 kilos with 200 horsepower or something. And you're like, what are they playing at? Like, yeah, this is just <laughs> you can't compare yeah. the two, and therefore, why even bother? Like, why bother <laughs> taking a heavy car on track? Like it's yeah. just a waste of time. Well, that's what all motorcyclists are always saying. Yeah, that's exactly. That's their argument, is it? Why would you bother when you could go out and spend nine grand on a Honda Fireblade, two hundred horsepower, two hundred kilos, which will which will just blitz everything. Uh, it'll it'll tear you a new one if you want to, and uh, you can fit it in in a in a, in a in a slim garden shed from B and Q for two hundred fifty quid. So storage is pretty cheap. Yeah. And you're like, damn it, you motorcycle people, <laughs> damn it. My answer to that is like, I know it would die. Yeah, yeah, well, my, yeah, I have a bike license and I don't really ride on the road. Yeah. But yeah, your radicals. In fact, one of the most memorable cars I've ever driven, we, we were filming for Fifth Gear, was a hill climb event in an, in an Atom 500. Ooh, that's and an interesting that, car. Oh my gosh. The, I mean, a, not a regular Atom is not really regular. and But the 500 was just <laughs> something else. Something else. And I was, it was in front of a big crowd of people, so, and I'd never driven it. Yeah. So it was one of those ones where it was like, oh, you know, this could go quite badly wrong, Johnny, if you're not really on it. But and, but at the same time, people want to see it. Yeah, yeah. They, they want to they want to see this thing work. And the and the owner of Radical was there. Uh, Ariel was yeah. there, and it was amazing. It was such a good car to drive, and it absolutely flew with that and that with that compressed air shift gearbox. It was yeah. just like wow. Yeah, yeah. I remember that car vividly. So you, Vividly. you were about to tell me about whether it was an A1 Quattro launch or... Oh, a yeah, launch. A1 Quattro. So it was my birthday and, and I was booked on a job for film for Fifth Gear and it was the, it was the launch of the Audi A1 Quattro. And I've been a big fan of traditional first-gen, you know, Quattros, mm. having grown up in the 80s. And I had an, at the time I had an Audi Coupe GT in 1983. It was my daily driver, in fact. And Audi said, right, we're going to fly you out to a, a Swedish frozen lake for this feature. We've got, um, we've got a, we've, we've chartered a plane for you. Just us. It was like, what? Okay. That's, I mean, it does happen sometimes, but not. <laughs> yeah. So we got, we got on this plane and it was just us and with a, with a hostess saying, oh, I've just cooked a Victoria, a baked a Victoria sponge this morning. Do you want a slice <laughs> of my Victoria sponge? I'm like, this is just bizarre. So it was my birthday. We're on a private jet flying to Sweden just to film an A1 Quattro. We land, and what's sitting there is Stig Blomquist, the original Stig. 
stood next to his 1984 uh, World Rally winning uh, short wheelbase Quattro Rally Car and the A1 Quattro. And we're like, well, Stig's going to take you out in the, the the 600 horsepower, you know, Group B. And you can have a chat with Stig and then you can go out with Stig in the A1 Quattro and then film it on the frozen lake. Mm. And that's what we did. And it was like, this is the best birthday I could have ever wished for. I'm going out in a, I'm going out in a works with, you know, rally winning short wheelbase Quattro on ice with Stig driving. Sick. Who's brilliant. I mean, Stig's the, he's the most, he's the quietest spoken man, but still on it. I mean, he just looks, <laughs> he's, you know, he's like, he's, he looks like a, Sort of a, a, a grandpa toy maker, yeah, yeah, doesn't he? It's sort of guy that would make wooden toys in a shed by candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, he's still driving gets, very, very fast. Gets, gets in this bloody quadro, and he's on it. We are we're looking out the side window for the whole time. It's just incredible. <laughs> and uh, but the A one, yeah, the A one quadro was a really, really good, exciting little car. I've never seen one on the road. Oh. I've never seen a privately owned one. I've I've seen a couple, but have you? Yeah, they're very rare. They are. I think they a lot. A lot of people bought them as a collector car. Yeah, because they were left hand drive only as well. Were they? Yeah. I thought they did a couple of rights, but maybe not. You can okay. now get an Audi S one with a manual yeah. gearbox. Okay, which would be a fun little car. Yeah, that's something I should try. But the yeah the A one Quattro it also makes the most unbelievable noise. It's crazy, like yeah. turbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop. Mad. but you know small little small fun cars like that like the up gti the up gti is not fast but yeah. it's damn fun it's a lot of fun of all the small cars out there i like i, I kind of want if i were to buy a small little run around town car for me up gti i'm like yeah i could get behind up this GTI is brilliant i nearly I, I nearly bought one i had serious phone calls with volkswagen and went mm. right if i buy one what, 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 what are we talking here yeah what we're talking like some sort of wide boy car dealer i very <laughs> nearly i very nearly put, pulled the trigger on one i was very impressed with it it was they're good very, fun they're cool little things yeah yeah i've got some sort of electric specific questions that i thought you might be able to help mm, help me out no shit all right i'll try i'll try <laughs> how many watts is it no <laughs> plug-in hybrid versus full electric at the moment yeah personally the ones that rely on you charging them all the time for me, yep. plug-in hydros, they don't seem to make any sense whatsoever. Like if they, if you've got a 20 mile range, like ain't nobody got time to plug that in that often. Where uh, well, are we at in the, terms the, of fuel economy <clears throat> and things? Plug-in hybrid is a good gateway drug if yeah. you are willing to plug it in. If you don't plug it in, it's a total waste of time because you're just dragging extra weight yeah. around and it's a tax whiz. But I think I there's a work- quite well though. Yeah, yeah. It, it, um, the P- FEVs, is, or I call them PHEV, yeah. whatever, I am going to say they're not useless at all. I think they're a really good stepping stone to get you in the habit of plugging a car in when you arrive. Yeah. And if it has a real-world range of something like 20, 30 miles or more, yeah. that's more than most people's commute in a day. Yeah. And actually, if that, that little little journey adds up, if you're commuting on EV only Monday to Friday, yeah your fuel bill is, is, is going down, you know, your cost, your yeah. fuel cost, but you have to plug it in and it has to have a real world mileage of like that. Cause I've been in many, which have a real world mileage of like eight, yeah, nine miles just... and the extra weight and tech the, and the cost of the car, mm. of course it negates it. So I would say, yes, um, there's a place for a, a, a plug-in and I know a lot of people that have gone from plug-in hybrids to full EVs. Yeah. 
and I know people. Uh, yeah, and I've, I I did that actually. Mm. Um, I had I had a range extender. I had a mild, a, a non plug in hybrid, and then I had a um, my wife had a plug in hybrid, and then I had a range extender high, uh, electric car. I won't bore you with all the geekiness, but so a range extenders that's got like a little motor that's just a generator in it. It's a generator, yeah, which doesn't ever drive the wheels. Yeah. It's still classed as an EV. It's called called a range extender EV, mm. and there's there's not that many out there anymore. But was mine was I3 the Chevrolet. The i three is one, yeah, and the um, I had a Chevrolet Volt, yeah. which is a Volkswagen pair. Which good. it's it. You know what, Sam? If that car had a Toyota badge, it would have conquered the world. <laughs> it's such a shame that General Motors are so shit at marketing. Yeah. Because it, because as a product, it's fantastic, and it and it's still one of my favourite cars of the last fifteen years. Wow. I think it's a really really strong piece of design, yeah. and so much so when I tested one on fifth gear, I was like, I'm going to wait till the prices come down with the second half. I'm going to bloody buy one, and I did. I went and yeah. bought one, and bought one with seventeen thousand miles on the clock for twelve grand, and it was absolutely spot on. Yeah. Really really good car. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah, I yeah think pretty much. Just, just, just tread carefully with plug-in hybrids. Yeah. You know. In terms of like full electric, yeah, has Tesla just got so far ahead in terms of like charging network and stuff that it's now actually quite difficult for everyone else to catch up or not, so, the, not the, such the, a problem? The, I think the charging network has, has been the, the, the master stroke for Tesla, there's no doubt, because it takes away the difficulty the, and the worry that people have over long distance yeah. rapid charging. And there's no doubt that that can be tricky sometimes. I mean, I've, I've lived with a full EV three or four years that will mm. do no more than about 130 miles. And I travel everywhere like you do. Yeah. I'm, I'm all over. So uh, it, yeah, uh, Tesla makes that, that really... Not a, it's not a ton of range, but it is also not a short distance. It's not a short distance, but it just means you've got to be a bit, you've got to be a bit better about your time management and you've obviously got to just check out where your destination is. So like if you arrive at a hotel to sleep the night, to go on the job the mm. next morning, you think, well, can I charge at the hotel? Have I got to give it a quick rapid charge yeah. uh, en route? What am I going to do? But it's amazing how quickly you get into the habit. It's amazing how also for me, I, my time management needs sharpening anyway. Yeah. So for me, it was like a, it was a good thing for me. It's like, yeah. you need to, you need to be a bit better at this, Johnny. So do that and, and and when you get used to 130 real world miles uh, to get out of that car and get into the car my the, the current ev that i've got which is 250 what have you got now miles. i've got a kia soul uh, ev with 64 kilowatt hour battery pack which is a big battery pack mm. for a for a for quite a small car yeah and you know having over 200 a comfortable way over 200 mile real world range is just a, it's a it's a game changer yeah, it's a, it's a total game changer. And people who say I haven't got the time to sit and wait thirty minutes to to rapid charge my car, and you go, dude, do it at a time when you need to stop anyway, because yeah. otherwise you're a fool. So I do it when I want to get a coffee on yeah. route, or and I need the toilet, or you do it when you're going to have lunch. If you're on the motorway, I do it on my motorway yeah. lunch stop, or you do it when I don't know. You do it when you if I get to a shoot the car i'll plug the car in before the shoot starts and i'll just say to people that car i'm gonna leave that car there for an hour yeah and then i'll move it and it's it okay it's not as it's not as easy as a piston car but the, but the benefits are obviously your monthly fuel bills and your running costs are so much lower your cost of ownership or whatever they oh, call wait, it how run- much lower let, let let's do two scenarios a car okay. that gets 
30 mpg is one scenario yeah. and then a car yeah. like a, let's say a very good diesel yeah which i don't know what a very good diesel gets 70 60 70 yeah how does it how does that compare to like a i don't know let's say your car well, I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot of different ways you can analyze it, but typically the, the cost per mile is about a tenth. Okay. Something like that. And is that across all things like servicing and blah, 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 blah? Or is exactly. Just, just yeah. Service intervals are much lower uh, yeah. because there's less moving parts. So just there's the less motor, to, yeah. To, to, yeah, it's basically checks. You plug it in and they just check for uh, obvious stuff and they do the, the physical things like, you know, brake pads or yeah. um, brake fluid. So there's that. There's zero, you've got to take into account zero car tax, yeah. uh, zero congestion charge if you live in an area which re- requires that. And charging, if you charge at home predominantly, which is the, the easiest way to own an EV, if you, your home is your fuel station. This if is the you reason can't I charge don't have home, one, is I can't yeah. charge at home. Yeah, and that makes it, it does undoubtedly make it hard because in the morning you can't get in it always full mm. and ready, which is what you want. Same as your mobile phone. Yeah. You want to wake up in the morning, unplug it, bang, exactly. she's at 100%. So if you can charge from home, you can get a, an electricity tariff that caters for EVs. In other words, like me, for example, I have economy seven. So I, I set the timer on my EV to come in typically around one in the morning, go off at Cheap about half five. Yeah. Exactly. So the cost per mile is much lower. Mm. Rapid charging um, services or whatever is more expensive because you're, you're, you're paying for the convenience. Yeah. So it's more, but it obviously depends on where you're going and what you're doing. And there's still an awful lot of places to charge um, that are free. A lot of um, hotels, some really? restaurants, some yeah, yeah. There's there's still a lot of free, and that's cool because it's like nobody pays you to put petrol in your tank. Nobody. Yeah. No whereas, whereas if you if you go to a I don't know if you go to a hotel and they go yeah we've got charging facilities on site and you plug your car in and you go in and have dinner and go to bed and like they are paying me yeah to drive 200 miles the next day. That's pretty fucking cool last time I checked. That is cool. And it, all, and it also means if you want to be super, you know, thrifty, the money I save on a monthly basis driving an EV, I spend on my classic cars. Right. I like this. I, I just buy more parts for my old stuff. So it's it's the yin and the yang. Yes, of course, it's better for the environment in terms of air, air quality, but some people don't care about that. And yeah. Okay, that's fine. If you don't care about that, you probably do care about your wallet being a bit heavier. Yeah. And and that and that's another way to look at EV ownership. And don't get me wrong, they typically are more expensive to buy initially, but that you have to look at the cost of overall ownership. That's yeah. the, the that is the bit where EVs win, really. Uh, residuals are really high as well. People forget that. Everyone thought they were going to plummet. They they don't. They yeah. are super buoyant. I was looking at Model Threes or whatever I threes, not Model Three mm-hmm. I three recently, and like that held value amazingly well. They've held value really well. And and I'm telling you all now, that car is going to be a classic car without any doubt. That's that's a modern classic mm. right now. If I could afford to buy one now, if I wasn't trying to knock my house down and build a new house, I'd buy an i3. Yeah. Because the i3 is one of the best designs of any car of any price of the last 20 years. It is an unbelievable design. Like, it's okay, unbelievable. It weird, it's, but, it's weird. But like interior, exterior. Interior. Just, diff- just totally different. 
open the four doors and sit in it and tell me that a McLaren looks more impressive. Because I'm telling you now, a McLaren's 170, 180 grand, whatever it yeah. might be. You get in a 30 grand i3 and you go, tell me that's not impressive. It's fucking brilliant. It's carbon fiber, for goodness sake. It makes so many other cars just look expensive and lazy. Yeah. Really. Life cycle wise, this is the yeah. question that gets fired at EVs quite a lot. <laughs> what happens to these cars after 10 years, 15 years, <clears throat> 20 years? Do they just become worth nothing? What, like, literally what happens? Okay. You know. most, most manufacturers on, of EVs have an eight-year warranty now. Yeah. And that's to, just, that's to quell all the myths about them being worth nothing and falling apart and the batteries being dead yeah. after five years. What about after eight? Uh, what happens after eight years or 10 years, we found, according to um, a lot of scientific research, is the, the batteries only lose about something like 10%. It might even be less than that of, of their density, yeah. their energy. But all manufacturers are tasked now with having a second life of their batteries. It's called a, you know, a, a, a second life cycle. And that second life cycle of most of them is they will become battery cells for you used in houses. Okay. Yeah. For, for her, her home batteries. Yeah, yeah. And th- th- this is most definitely the future for everybody's house, not just EV drivers mm. and, you know, people interested in clean air. And so, yeah, a, basically a, a massive battery that sits next to your boiler or your, uh, you know, in your, in your, in your shoe cupboard under the stairs. Yeah. And during the during the night when electricity is cheaper, it charges. Or if you have solar panels and it's a super sunny day yeah. like today, it charges those that, that battery pack. And then the battery then f- feeds everything in your house when the electricity is maybe more expensive. Yeah. And it, and the, and then and then a clever and the thing is with that is the battery doesn't need to be so potent to do that. It needs to be more potent to be in an, an electric yeah. car. So and and lithium ion batteries last a very long time. I mean, the quality of cells now are really good, mm. really, really good. I don't know if there's built-in obsolescence on cars as much as there is in mobile phones. I couldn't tell you that because I'd probably get shot if I found out the truth <laughs> stuff like that. I'd love to know. Equally, I'd love to know how much it actually costs manufacturers to build their own cars. Yeah. You know, wouldn't that be cool? That would be a great but, um, That'd be amazing. Info. If you could find out if, you know, a Suzuki Jimny costs, I don't know, uh, £690 to make, you'd yeah. be like, wow, there's some markup. But nevertheless. You find out uh, the crazy high-end cars, some of them don't, but like oh, I yeah. said, a Porsche 918. Oh, yeah. Or the original Bugatti Veyron, like they are not yeah. making money on those no. cars. No, it's a lost leader, isn't it? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit like when you go in. If you were to go into IKEA and only buy candles, and then go, I suspect that IKEA are not making money out of you. Or yeah. if you just go to like, if you just go to ASDA and buy beans, base model yeah, <laughs> yeah. beans that are four peer, six peer can, and you just leave, I don't think that they're making money out of you. No. So. But that's that's a different world. But the EV, you know, the, the the question that you asked about second life of batteries, what the future of EV batteries is, is a is a is a really really good question that lots of people want to know about. And we we're not just burying them in the ground and running away. Yeah. It's not like nuclear. Yeah. It's it's very different to that. There are there are many other second uses, and when they get to the point of them being useless, lithium can be recycled very easily, and it's still very potent. So so. You've owned this car, right? Like, let's say you own an, a normal combustion engine car now. Yeah. Um, let's say, I don't know, slightly older one. 
and it yep. gets bought and sold by many, many people over a number of years and it just keeps uh-huh. going and you keep fixing it and whatever. So its value yep. just sort of slowly, well, drops like that and then slowly, slowly, slowly goes down. Y- yeah. These electric cars, it's going to go down at a sort of normalish yep. rate or whatever. But then there will come a point when you are taking the battery out and recycling it or whatever. Can yeah. you just pull the battery out of these cars? And then does that car then become worth zilch or do you then put a new battery in? There's a lot of small cottage industries sprouting up who are doing exactly that now. And and this has all come about from the people realising that the value of a salvaged Tesla is so high. Mm. So if someone back, backs their Tesla Model S through a, through a wall yeah. in, in the snow, in in Norway, it is it's such a precious commodity for that car now. Uh, people pay big money for the motors, big money for the control systems, and there's a lot of cottage industries, obviously taking the packs out and checking them. And you obviously in a pack are modules of batteries, and a module. Think of a module of a shoebox with lots of cup of soups in it, mm. sachets sachets of of a, of a yeah. thing, and each each sachet is a cell. Yeah. So so. You can have one dud cell in a in a in a, in a box of twenty, and that will bring the potency of that that module down mm. single handedly. But obviously, if you plug that car into a laptop and the software says, "I can tell you where the rogue cell is," it's that one. Open box number three up, and it's that one. That's the yeah. shit one. That we have the ability to be able oh, to wow. do that. So instead of going, instead of it just going, oh look, there's a massive box of batteries and they're all screwed, th- yeah. throw them all away. It's not. It's not like that. It's really not like that. Oh, okay. Um, and 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 the good thing is, is there's more and more businesses starting to be able to 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 be able to modify, repurpose, and repair this stuff. So I do think we're going to see. And I and I personally hope this this happens more and more of people kind of repurposing EV drivetrains, obviously in older cars, mm. or, um, or 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 modifying existing EVs, you know, to make them more efficient, to make them corner better, and and to, and when 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 a, a, an upgraded version gets crashed, use those bits. Yeah. So because why not? I think it's going to encourage a different type of kind of DIY home tuner. I think it's it's more about laptop charging yeah. and less about oily fingers, but I don't see that as being a bad thing. That's just a new generation. It, it, it a bit like years ago. I remember when gamers could become professional gamers, yeah. and I was like, "What? what sorry, I, I don't understand. What you get paid to play a game and show people how you play a game? Yeah. I mean, that just sounds weird." And they're like, I'm, yeah, I'm, ten million I'm clearly, people watch me in my bedroom. Yeah, it, uh, I'm clearly not the demographic for that, am I? But anyway, I was like, okay, well. In the same way that that is a business and a career, yeah, I think is no problem with having a kind of EV uh, hot rodding, EV tuning, yeah. and and as long as EV motorsport rises off the back of that, of course, will be tuning yeah. the ability to modify and, and and dick around with your car really, and I, I I applaud that as long as people don't people realise the dangers. EVs are all the danger in an EV is invisible. Yeah, so high voltage battery packs scare the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right, Sam. I mean, they scared the shit out of me. And when I was building my EV dragster, you had to constantly remember that the stuff you're looking at, if you press that bit with that bit, it could all go badly wrong. And so you're constantly not leaving metal tools lying around, wearing thick rubber gloves that go over your elbows, you know, like the ones that vets Mm. use when they're putting their hand inside a cow's, you know what. And you've just got to be mindful because it's not like 
an engine where there's stuff spinning and there's dangerous pulleys yeah. and heat. It's not like that. It's just an educational process. It is. And it's, great, it's, a lot of modern EVs are in sealed boxes. They're just sealed yeah. boxes anyway, so... It's like the next thing. What do you think of all these sort of two million pound, million pound hyper electric cars at the moment? That's a very interesting subject. What's weird is whenever I've driven one and put a video out on one, it's not actually been that popular. Mm. And I think the reason for that is because most of the interest in EVs is the real world stuff. Yeah. You know, is there a, is there a twenty grand EV that's going to do three hundred miles? That's going to save me loads of money for my family and just going to solve a lot of real world problems versus here's a 2 million or 1 million pound electric car. Uh, It's only going to be bought by people who have that kind of disposable income anyway. So clearly they're going to have many other cars. They can have multiple houses, whatever, that kind of lifestyle. Do they really care? Well, I think the way I look at it, it's a halo project in the same way that you mentioned the Veyron and the 918 Spider. You know, the 918 Spider and the Laf. Ferrari and the P1 McLaren, they all became the acceptable face of plug and were all hybrid. I think that's what suddenly made hybrid acceptable to the petrol, I can't stand the term petrol head, <laughs> but to the car fanatic, you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's, it suddenly meant that, that it was okay. It was okay to be into performance cars and see hybridization as being a friend, not a fun. Mm. And the same way with the Le Mans 24 hours, you know, they've been doing uh, hybrids in Le Mans for, for, for years. So, yeah, I, I suspect that they'll be niche for a very long time. I guess it's the trickle down effect of what they have. Yeah. What, what the R&D is, where it's going is, is, is where it's, it's a little bit more important to me, but there's no doubt, you know, uh, damn you COVID-19, you stopped me from driving the Rimac C2. Um, just before Geneva That's Motor the Show, only one so. I want to drive. Actually, I'd like to drive the Lotus. Yeah, Lotus the Lotus is fascinating. But, but yeah. Rimac, because basically they make all the other cars, like, you know, R- if we're honest. Marte, Marte, or I just kept calling him mate, yeah. is, a very, <laughs> is a very clever guy. And he was one of the people, when I started building my EV Dragster, he was like a, he was a back shed, you know, EV enthusiast yeah. who, who made his um, BMW E30. Right into an EV and uh, was drifting it around and doing a video on YouTube. I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Little did I realize he would become the the voice of yeah. electric performance globally, but it's a great story. And the, the quality of the stuff that he puts out is just him and him and Christian Koenigsegg. I oof, mean, oof. That's yeah, it. those guys, That's the electric know, but, and the sort of combustion yeah. sides of it. That, that, those those two guys know what they're doing. The, the, the stuff that the product they put out is just phenomenal. And whether I think, you like or more not, it's just amazing. They, I think they completely embarrass everyone else in that space, ignoring like you know maybe Porsche or someone. But like, yeah. you, if you're building a, a hypercar at the moment, those are the guys. Yeah. You don't go and get an electric hypercar from someone else, other than no. that. And you probably don't spend more than a million euros or two million euros or whatever on a car from anyone yeah. else other than Christian because he's just in a different millennium. Yeah. It's and that is born out of obsession. You yeah. you you look round a Koenigsegg and that a car like that, a product like that cannot exist without obsession. It's uh, and that's what makes it so fascinating because it is every single aspect of a Koenigsegg is just psh. Yeah. It's one of the few supercars that I would actually like to own is a Koenigsegg. 
I've always, always, ever since, what was the first one, the CCX? CCX, maybe. Yeah, I remember when I first saw a right-hand drive CCX with those sort of uh, Ninja Death Star star wheels. Yeah, I remember thinking... Massive gear stick. Massive gear stick. So it's like, it's got a gear stick that looks like a, yeah. you know, a slightly <laughs> phallic magician's wand. And, um, and But no massive exaggerated spoilers and yeah. winglets, but yet still looks tasteful and purposeful and you know it's going to go mm. quick because it wouldn't look like that and i think that's what i loved about koenigsegg that and the fact that the logo was the ghost yeah do you remember it had the ghost yeah yeah oh, still that. does still do. yeah and I, I'm, I'm digging the ghost i think it's great one of the features of the the jamera which is the the new well they just brought out two unbelievable cars but jamera that i sort of like get a little bit nerdy about and love is they've got heated and cooled uh cup holders yeah well, why has no one else done that, or has someone else done? It? I mean, Porsche's sort of done it in the fact of your cup holder um, goes I've been in front in a, of the air vent. Yeah, I've been. I've definitely been in a car with a with a heatable one or various cars, but I I can't remember if there's a cooling one. It's a good point. It's such a random thing. Like yeah. I just and I just don't know why no one's ever done it because it's you want your drink to stay the same temperature. Uh, listen, Sam, <laughs> they're Swedish. And yeah. all you need to know in this, I, I have no intention of ever leaving the UK as, as, as my, my, my res, place of yeah, residency. Yeah. If I had to leave this country today and emigrate, like, go yeah. now, I'd, I'd go to Scandinavia. Yeah, I like it there. Because they're the coolest people. They're the, they're the most effortlessly stylish. They understand renewable energy because they have loads of oil, but they just yeah. sell it to other people for shitloads of money. They know what they're doing. They all look great. They're already healthy. They enjoy, you know, water sports. They enjoy snow sports. I mean, seriously, what aren't they good at? Yeah, they're, they're pretty great. I, I like Sweden a lot and I love Swedish Sweden people. And, Sweden and Norway. Norway. And all of them. They're all great people. That, seriously, I love them. I love them. And they're good at drifting, of course. Uh, of course. They're all <laughs> just obscene at it. This is a totally random one. For the people that are listening, I have one of these mugs. It's a company called Ember. And it's, it keeps your drink at the same temp, at a temperature you set for as long as no, you like. It's like got like a hub on it. It's basically got a little heater in the bottom with a battery and you set That's... it on your phone. So like for, you can have your coffee at the same temperature for an hour. Shit. Seriously. It's um, absolute game send, changer. Send me the link. I'll send you a link. My, my wife, I put a birthday present for my wife. That could be a good. Honestly, I, I bought it for my girlfriend. She absolutely loves it. I use it on my desk every day. It's great. Um, they should sponsor this podcast. I was going to say, if they don't already, they, 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 they bloody should. They really should. Yeah. Right. What else? What else have we got? I think we're pretty much. We're sort of exhausting some of my we've questions. Said, we've oh, said a lot. We've we said have. a lot, man. We haven't sort of said that you. So, you, what are you doing right? Okay, right now you're talking to me, but like at the moment you're at Car Pervert on YouTube, making YouTube videos. Yeah. And so yeah, I've started my own YouTube channel taking it seriously this yep. year so i'm going to be carrying on trying to um ramp that up i have got i've got a couple of potential projects coming out on youtube which aren't car mm-hmm. pervert and i've got well I, I'm, I'm going to be doing some more stuff with car and classic yeah which is like obviously old car stuff and some of my electric although i'm doing electric on car pervert there's going to be some other stuff coming on there. Electric stuff coming on. So yeah, there's there's fifth gears coming back, I believe. Oh, yeah, I know. On this, uh, it, it'll be on um, on Discovery Channel. Yeah, uh, Discovery own it these days. 
And there is something else. Do you know, it's weird. I've, I've You've got, got a podcast. Sort of, do you have a podcast? Oh, I, um, I, I don't have a pod. Well, I do something called Smith and Sniff with the old script editor of Top Gear, who is now the script editor of Grand Tour, called Rich Porter. And me and him have had our own YouTube channel called Smith and Sniff for yeah. a couple of years. We do a video a week. We've just started a podcast on that, and that's going to be a, a weekly thing as well, which is just two guys who sort of try and review a car, and if they're not reviewing the car, they're getting sidetracked and yeah. talking utter bobbins. <laughs> I had a few, quite stuff. a few people say they love, is it Smith and Sniff? Smith and Sniff, yeah. It's a bit weird, but at the same time, it's we're, we're, our backgrounds are motor and Jonas, and Rich yeah. is a, an author as well. But So I like to think it is based on car know-how, mm. but it does go off track there's no doubt <laughs> that's the best that's what that's what people <laughs> want to hear to be honest right well i normally wrap up these podcasts with five questions so okay. you're ready for your, for your questions i'm as ready as i'm ever gonna be yeah first question do you have a most memorable driving trip or journey yeah it would have been taking an audi rs6 back to the ingolstadt factory in about 2003 it was the twin mm. turbo v81 and it was de-restricted Nice. And as fast as I've ever driven on a on a public road, and it it was on the autobahn. It was one hundred and eighty six. What was the top speed of that car? Well, we don't really know. They they. I mean, I I think I got to about one hundred and eighty six, hundred and eighty eight, yeah. and it was like, yeah, this feels like. I mean, it, it had a dog guard in the back. It felt like we were flying. <laughs> and I, and I, and I outgunned a couple of guys, Spanish guys in a Ferrari, and they were they came up to me afterwards and was going like this. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that that was very, that was really memorable. That car that was a proper rocket ship. Yeah. Know, that was one. Of, that was my first long, long distance RS Audi experience. So they look so cool. Those yeah stance. Yeah, driving. We did a stint on Car Magazine where we we daily drove a Caterham all year, Oof. and then we drove it to a race, raced it, and drove home. <laughs> And I mean, I drove it in winter and yeah. I have to say it was, it was so much fun. It really made you concentrate. I, was, yes. I remember every time I arrived at a destination, I was exhausted mm. because I'd been concentrating on stopping it from skidding around. I was, you know, I had air in my face, being yeah. forced into my face. And I suppose it's the closest I would get to, like you with the Radical, it's almost the closest you get to being a motorcycle rider. Yeah. But we would get to a race event, race the damn thing, try not to crash it and then and then drive it home and that was like old school motorsport that's, that's grassroots yeah, motorsport you, you don't really have a trailer do you don't have no i just had a, had a tent in the car a couple of spare tires basic tool set all strapped in the passenger seat and the tonneau over the yeah. top it was a really really good and a caterham they i think all caterhams look rubbish but they drive brilliantly amazing they just drive so well one of my favorite drives yeah. i've ever had was uh caterham lent me a 310r uh, for a couple of days uh, and I took it for a, a blat and it, it was sort of it being wet and I just went down some it was like some small country roads and it was like slightly muddy slightly wet and <laughs> I, honestly I came back from driving for like 30 minutes and I was like okay you need to like I need to just go uh, and drive something else for a bit because you just get every roundabout you're like <laughs> every um, corner you just turn into a full-on hooligan you do but you I do. Did worry I think that- it's one of those cars. I think it's one of those cars where you you realise it gives you everything that you want. Yeah. If you had one of those in the garage and you and instead of a supercar, you you thought I'm just gonna have a Caterham. It'll look the same as every other Caterham. Yeah. But it's that raw feeling and the and and, and the 
keeping you keeping you on your toes with your drivability. Yeah. And there's some like consequences if you crash it. Now, I'm not necessarily an advocate of driving stuff just because it's dangerous or whatever. But when yeah. you drive something that feels a little bit dangerous, like if you hit something in a cage room, you've got a problem. You oh yeah yeah yeah. You have to elevate your consciousness to a different level. I and and I'm a big fan of 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 having to really tame. The, the lion yeah you know i there are a lot of supercars out there which you don't need to tame so much anymore yeah they just do and, everything and i'm yeah and, I, and i'm don't get me wrong i'm no chris harris or uh dicky meaden yeah. uh, don't get me wrong but i'm i, I, I you know I've, I've driven a lot of cars and i've learned a lot over the years and that's why some of my own cars i want them to be a bit more raw you know yeah. my dodge charger is a raw car it is not going to help you at all and it's a big ass thing on a back road in Britain. It's, yeah. You know, so you've got, you've got to be on it. And like you say, there's no, your, 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 your senses are heightened. And I, and I really like that because it's a total antidote to what you might drive on a daily yeah, yeah. basis. So oh, yeah. Cool. What was the question? So oh, I'm I was just like, what was your most drive memorable oh, driving trip journey? But we've I, totally covered that. I did the Mille Amelia in a C-type Jag. Well, that's that pretty was, sick. That, that was, that was up there because I felt like a hero. <laughs> I came into a hotel every night with a, what, what was a white shirt on <laughs> That was just grey and brown with a with with goggle marks. Amazing, and and I felt like a winner, even though I was not a winner. You were, but a I didn't winner crash at that it. Point. You drove was, a C type. Was a C, I was a C type Jag on the Millamilia, and I just I ate strawberries and drove hard. Amazing, and felt like a hero. Amazing. Right, next yeah. question: five car garage, unlimited value. It's got to fit into your life. Please. Ah, shit. Okay, this is these ones are really hard. Mm. They change on a monthly basis, and that's all. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Daily driver. I'm just going to fire categories that you. you don't have to go with. It's them. a daily driver. I have a family, so it would have to be something that would involve the family. Our current daily driver is a Jimny uh, family car, which is not mm. a practical family car. Yeah, just so yeah. you know. But anyway, we make it work. Ah, daily driver, daily driver. Mine goes blank with all the cars. Okay. There's so many cars. Okay, all time like Halo. I'd just love to have one of them. I think I'd love a Porsche three five six. I'd love an early nice. because I think it's the best shaped car ever drawn, ever made out of metal. So I would love a really, I'd love an unmolested survivor of a three five six. Yep. I think it'd be wonderful. So that's got to be in. So there. That's one of them. Yeah. I think one of my other, my first car, my Beetle, has to be in the dream car. And do you still have that? Because it's a car that meant much to me. Yeah. I do still have that. That's amazing. I've had it since I was 16. That's right. I do still have it. So yeah, 67 Beetle in Zenith Blue. That's in there. Car number two. Nice. Okay, we're looking a bit air-cooled in German already. (laughs) So, um... Would you have an electric car? Yeah, my daily driver would be... I mean, ideally, my daily driver be an electric estate car but they don't exist mm, they nobody don't. makes an electric estate car which is just it's just unfair it's mostly suvs or you know um you know small hatchbacks and yeah. stuff um so unless i built unless i built one sam if you, the, you said that the, you, you said that the, what would you yeah, base okay, it on? okay here's the thing i would have here we go i'd phone up singer i'd phone rob up at singer no, I'd phone up Icon. I'd phone up yes, Icon okay. um, in the States. And I'd go, right, Icon, I've, I'm suddenly very wealthy. Yeah, Jonathan, that's his yes. name, Jonathan. Ward. Right, John, yeah, Jonathan Ward. I'm going to send you over something called a Matra Rancho. It's a car from the 80s, which looks like this. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it, predate, it predates any soft roader, um, anyone's idea of what an SUV would be. And 
it it couldn't even go off road, but it looked like it could. Yeah. I want you to take that car. I want you to icon it, and I want it to have electric four wheel drive running capability uh, with three hundred plus miles mm. rapid charge. Make it happen. Phone me when it's done. I'll have a tartan interior, nice. please. Boom, done. Nice. So that'll be that'll be your family car. That's three, right? Yeah. Would you have a, some sort of race car? That's that's something that people do. Oh yeah, yeah. I, do you know what I would? I would. I'd build a. a a, an Andy Frost style, weird, obsessive, 2,000 plus horse. And, I, I, and I'm going to put this out there. It's been something that it's an itch that one day I have to scratch. It'd be an Austin princess, a terrible, a terrible looking car. Okay. It'd be an Austin princess with twin, twin turbo V8 road legal, but probably 2000 horse. Mm. So, you know, comfortable early seven second quarter mile, still, still with back seats. Nice. And it would be, it would be the car that everyone loves to hate. Yeah. So that would be in there. I like it. I like it. So this is what we're on. I haven't had anything sensible. Yeah. I'd have to have something sensible now. Uh, We wouldn't have like a modern supercar or anything like that. Yeah. Let's pick something that's on sale now that I would genuinely buy with my real money. That maybe isn't a Jimny because I've already got that. And that's a bit cliche. It's quite a tricky question, isn't it? Yeah. It is, it is, it is quite hard actually. Which says a lot, I think about the current car market. Lots of people make lots of cars, but not that many of them are that desirable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every day, because it has to be interesting. The engine either has to be interesting or the, the design of the car has yep. to be interesting. So do you know what? I, I would almost say a BMW i3. Oh, <laughs> okay. Maybe. I mean, it's not a dream car. There's a there's a car that I've always said, every time people ask me this, what's, yeah. what's, what's like the coolest car of all time? And I, I, most of the time I go back to my top, top Trump's days yeah, of the yeah. 80s. It was called the Panther 6. You have to look it up. At the time, it, it claimed to be over 200 miles an hour, six wheels, televi- color television. This was in the late 70s. Oh my by God, look at this thing. T- twin turbo, 8.2 litre V8. And it looked like the interior looked like it was something out of a nineteen seventies porno <laughs> film set. Mad. And I and and to this day, there's only two in existence, Brent yeah. and Sam. To this day, I keep saying I would, I want one of those. I would have one of those, <laughs> or I could remake one. Yeah, yeah. I could commission a one of those, or a TVR Speed Twelve. Oh, the TVR again, another another car past, which. Yeah. I was at the motor show when they launched that yeah. when I, as, as a student, I wasn't uh, an adult. Yeah. That car, I, th- I mean, as a, t- a TVR were on fire with their, 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 their design back then. Yeah. I think a TVR speed 12 would be something else. Yeah. That's a cool else. thing. I've been looking at cigarises recently. Not necessarily Ooh, buy, yeah. but I just like, I just keep going back to them. They were one of the cars as I was like sort of growing up and they were just kind of cool back then. And they're still damn cool now. They are cool. They're, they're a flawed beast, but you know what? We like cars that are flawed because yeah. that's what gives them personality. And, and that's why you can like fix most stuff nowadays. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah you, there are people out there that, that will rebuild a TVR and, uh, you know, un, undo all of its badness. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ready for the next question? Yeah. If you could only drive one car for the rest of your life, and there's a little caveat, you're allowed like a 500-pound beater on the side. So maybe to put loads in if you need to or whatever, but you've got okay. one car. car. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, Sam. One car to drive for the rest of my life. Bloody hell. Okay. Gosh, man. <laughs> really, really, really. No. Um, 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 um. Oh, what's the name of it? I'm trying to remember. It's a mad thing. 
Uh, let me just look it up. I oh, know I've got my phone on airplane mode. I think it's called an. It's an inter intermeca intermecana. It's a it's a like a Ferrari shooting brake looking okay. thing. Okay. Oh shit! I love to find out. It's now. I'll I'll text it to you. Okay. And I find it. Oh, I might be able to find it. It's either that or um, am I allowed to modify it? Yeah. Okay. Aston Lagonda EV converted. Ooh. And then my beater on the side would be. If we were going to go super thrifty, it'd be a bubble-shaped micro because they're indestructible. You can't you can't break a bubble-shaped micro. One litre, sixteen valve, or I just have a you know an old an old and like an old Merc. I used to have like an eighties couple of eighties Mercs. Yeah, yeah. But you, you can't. They're easy to mend as well. Yeah, nice. Okay. So that. Next question: What's the most undervalued car at the moment? What do you think? Oh, they're they're like too cheap. They should be more. Uh okay. First two off the top of my head: Audi A2. Okay, yeah. You you can get a good condition Audi A2 for six hundred quid. Yeah. I mean, it's an all aluminium car. It's so ahead of its time. It was ridiculous. Don't get a diesel one because they're shit. Get the petrol. And Rover P6. Rover P6 was like people forget was like when Rover were really good. Unpick the skin of a Rover P6, and it's an engineering tour de force. And you can still pick them up for like two thousand quid. So for yeah. a top, you know, top spec V eight Rover P six would be lovely. People, sh- I think people are snobby about Rovers, but that that car's special. Mm. Those two are at the lower end. At the higher end, whoa, um, everyone goes mad for Mustangs, classic Mustangs. Just get a Mercury Cougar. It's the same car, but it looks <laughs> more aggressive at the front. Yeah. And I think it looks. Uh, and personally, I think it's a cooler car. So get a get a late sixties Mercury Cougar. Mustangs are okay, but Mustangs are like CK1. You spray it on, it doesn't offend anyone, but at the same time, it's like... It's not no, that it's okay. different. Yeah. But you're talking to someone that drives a Dodge Charger, so it's like, if you're going to get a Mustang, you might as well get something that's super angry. Yeah. Just get a Charger. Cool. Um, right. Yeah. Final question. What's the most interesting car to you at the moment? What are you Googling? What are you watching on YouTube? What are you reading about? Oh. I mean, I suppose the Land Rover Defenders up there. I, I, the, I won't go into it, but I, I, I could have gone out to Namibia to drive it, oh, and I yeah. turned it down because I had a paid job at the Geneva Motor Show. Yes, Geneva Motor Show got cancelled. My job got cancelled. They re-invited me out to Namibia and said, "You want it? You'll have to fly out tomorrow morning." This was, a- yeah. And I turned them down because we managed to negotiate me driving one on Premier. Mm. <laughs> Bond Premier gets cancelled. Yeah. So I've driven a Defender. Oh. Um, so I think the Defender's the car of them because it's taken so long to replace it. And I think I'm they've very done a interested good job. in it. And I think they've done a pretty good job. I, I'm annoyed that they haven't launched with any kind of plug in hybrid ability, which I think in this okay. day and age you probably should yeah, have. Yeah. What I really want is that they take the iPace running gear yeah. and they put it. And they, and they update it a little bit and put yeah. it in a Defender because then suddenly you have a, a fully capable off-roader with, you know, kind of guilt-free drivetrain. Yeah. And that turns me on because that Jimny out there, I love, apart from the engine, the engine yeah, is yeah. disappointing. <clears throat> so I'd, lo- I'd love to, I'd love that. And off-road, presumably electric off-road actually works exceptionally well. Electric off-road wins. Because if you think about it, uh, uh, assuming it's waterproofed, which they mostly yeah. are, 
you don't have any engine, so you there's no problem at listening to yeah. what else is going on. If you have a spotter for rock crawling, you, you, you there's no problem. Instant torque, so you don't need to spool yeah. up a turbo or it's slip not a clutch drown. or whatever. No, exactly. Yeah, you don't need a snorkel. So there's so many advantages to EV off-roading, yeah. um, and that's something we're going to see more and more of. In fact, you know what? A car that I'd use every day, um, of any, uh, I want the forthcoming Rivian. The Rivian uh, oh, R1T. Do you know what? I'm not. I'm, I've really seen the point of a cup of living. Rivian R1T has it all going on. Mm. All of it. It's incredible. That's going to be a car. That's why Land Rover need to butt their ideas up and make an EV yeah. Defender on sale in the next twelve months. Because if they don't, Rivian will bury them. Yeah. I'm convinced of that. That's a cool thing. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, it's it's cool. Well. Uh, I've really much, enjoyed this. I hope it's not gone it on too long. I hope we haven't. I hope we haven't bored people, Do man. You, I really hope, hope not. I, I think I think that was good. We've done a. We've ticked a, a casual two hours eleven minutes. Gosh, that's a long video. <laughs> it's quite a slash, long time, isn't slash it? podcast. <laughs> Shit. No, no well, if people are com- if people are commuting by the time they listen to it, or if people are just trying to get to sleep. Um, I, fine. I think the internet connection seems to be dying <laughs> but yeah, anyway thanks very much for coming on and um, I'll, I'll speak to you again at some point Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy so I created Pretty Litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colours saving you money and potentially your cat's life Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.